Chani. I'm at Lottie's. And you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. And I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Happy one Chicago Day, Shy Woo! Ooh, Ooh, my goodness. You have made it to the end of one Chicago Day. Congratulations. You did it. You survived. You survived. I hope that you are wiping away your PD tears and you have grabbed a glass of wine and you were in your pajamas and you're just like chilling, basking in the amazingness that was one Chicago day. Oh man. It, it, it's not maybe as overwhelming to us because we've spread it out and filmed this stuff over the last couple of weeks, but like, it's a lot y'all like, it's a lot. It's a lot in like the best way in the best, best mm-hmm. way. So as of right now, when you're listening to this, obviously it's Wednesday night. We are way back in the past. We are in Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah, I, I hope three days in the future looks really nice and pretty, but we, at this time, we don't know what our one Chicago day schedule looked like. Okay. Um, but we, we had so much content for you and we had so much fun bringing it. Oh my God. Oh God. We had, we had trivia with Jesse. Oh my God. Yeah. That was the best. That was so much fun. We had trivia with Jesse and Nick and Alberto. Uh, we had the interviews. We have the interview with Joe at the end of this one. I know all and the content. It all just... of the content. Yeah. All of the content and even a special bonus video thrown in from Jimmy. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my God. One Chicago Christmas y'all the best, the The actual best, the actual best, the best. Okay. So obviously we're covering the episodes that you just watched episodes 17, 17, 17, 7, 17, 10, 17, and 9, 17. And yeah, we're going to jump into them, but we got a little bit of news for us. So teeny little bit. It's like one bit of news. Teeny, teeny, teeny little bit. Cause again, remember we're three days in the past. So we had a little scoop from TV line. Uh, I think it was Matt's inside line that had this. So uh, basically there was a question from Fiona. We don't know Fiona. Usually we know the person who asked (laughs) asked the question, but uh, Fiona said, can you tell me what's coming up for Chicago fires stellar ride? And so in the article, it says, I can tell you what's not coming up. Any third party shenanigans. Wendy Seeger has been appearing a lot this season. So we asked her portrayer if Stella, Stella should be concerned about her friends or her fiance's OFI friend slash partner. Here's what Andy said. I don't think so. She and Stella get along. She backed Stella with Girls on Fire. It's easy to pit two women against each other, but I think we're cool. Severide's a very charming, good looking guy, but I think they just make a good team. Don't know what the writers have up their sleeves, so I don't know what they're planning, but I think Seeger can appreciate Severide for his talents. Like, I just admire you, and I want you to work with me because you're good at this. I mean, that that's victory for us, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I will, let's put it this way. I don't necessarily, I think, agree on her take on Seeger. Like, I still think Seeger is very into Severide, but mm-hmm. I, I will take the fact, I do agree with Andy, obviously, where, like, it's easy to put two women against each other. And I don't think that's what they were ever going for, but like, I'm glad to know that there is no love triangle trying to happen. Like it is just Stellaride and then Seeger. And if we want to have a Seeger Severide friendship, cool with that. If we want to have a Seeger Stella friendship, 
cool with that, but like, we don't need the third party shenanigans. Yeah. And, and it's so hard. It, it was like, it was a good reminder the way Andy said it, that like, we just fall into these traps of women being pitted against each other. For sure. And I think, I think sometimes, especially with love triangles, I think it's very fun sometimes to like fall into that trap, like you said, because sometimes depending on the show and the context, like love triangles can be a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. but like you said, it doesn't always have, it can also come off as in the instance of like a situation like this, like two women being pit against each other. And like, we don't have to have that ever. Like if they want to go down that road and it works for that, a particular story. Okay. But like, it doesn't have to be like that either. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that was about all the news we had. We just have that one little bit. There might be new stuff that's broken between, you know, today being Sunday and Wednesday when you're listening, but obviously we don't know about it yet. (laughs) So yeah, the only other thing we just wanted to run down some of the good stuff from one Chicago day. Now we can only really speak to our stuff because we haven't seen everybody else's yet. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. It was so much fun. For sure. All of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Obviously, I think I can speak for you and pretty much I'm sure any other press outlet that participates in wishing that it was always it was in person again, like virtual is just not the same. They do a really good job at making it at the best they can, but virtual will just never replace in person. It just won't. Mm -hmm. But it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And I've never been in person. You, you've had that experience. So I've yeah. only ever known one Chicago day via zoom, but that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I like that I can like leave work, come home, attend the press thing and then like go about my life. Yeah. But- I like that. I can wear like a nice top on, you know, and makeup on top and then where I was wearing like workout shorts on the bottom. So like, I do like that part of it, but, um, yeah. I miss Chicago. So, you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't have minded coming up there. Well, and hopefully next year, you know, yeah, it can be in person again, but yeah, it was still, it was really fun. Um, also different, we, we were having this discussion, you know, but leading up to when Chicago day and after not who I expected to participate, but I'm really glad with who they had participated ended up being a lot of fun. A lot of different people we don't always hear from too. Yeah. I loved the lineup we had. I mean, for med, we had Oliver and Marlene, two people we've never had on the pod before. Yeah, for sure. Um, we definitely joked around later that if Oliver ever came on the podcast, we'd probably pivot the conversation to West Wing and then stay there without meaning to. Yeah, we're gonna be like, oh yeah, we'll talk about Med for like five minutes, and then the rest of the time it'll just be West Wing. So what was it like to work on one of the best TV shows of all time? Yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. you want to talk about Med? No, not really. <laughs> no. no, this is actually a West Wing podcast in disguise. Didn't yeah, we you know we lied. It's it's yeah. actually meet us at the White House. Um, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Oliver's uh, just done so much in his career. I mean, I would definitely be girl and not make any apologies at all. No shame. No. And then over on fire, fire was such a fun panel. Like, um, it, obviously we, we talked to Derek once a year, so, you know, we're, we're buddies there, but, um, you've spoken to Hanako. So, you know, I you, love Hanako. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had never spoken to her, but Eamon is literally the only person on the fire cast that I've never met. So, Oh that yeah, was, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I've met that him cool. the one I met him at one Chicago day, 2019, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Eamon's great. And then, uh, we also got to meet the, cause you remember Derek's Derek splitting the show running responsibilities now. And Andrea Newman is now also a showrunner in Chicago fire. That I was our first time. Yeah. That was our first time to meet Andrea and she was lovely. 
Yeah, I really like how they balance each other out. Like Derek is obviously, we all know Derek. He's a big troll. I mean, he has <laughs> the show's best intentions, of course, but he's a big troll when it comes to press. We got it. We know it. We love it. Um, but Andrea's answer is obviously a lot more grounded in reality, a lot more. I mean, she still can't obviously spoil anything. So there is a little bit of like playing with your emotions too, but like it's very different. And I love the balance between the two of them. Yeah, she was wonderful. And then um, for PD, we obviously, we had Jason, which like, I've always wanted to talk to Jason. I love it. Yeah. I'm down. Uh, yeah, he was great. I was really surprised by how insightful he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we all obviously have a lot of feelings about Void, but I did appreciate Jason's candor and just how, like I said, insightful he was with his answer. So yeah, that was awesome. And then we also had Gwen. Um, oh my God. I, she's, I, I think I knew in my head that she was young, but I did not realize she was that young. She, I, I would, I would guess she's in her late twenties. Yeah. Which means she's only a couple years older than me and already running a freaking show. I mean, unreal. She, I mean, what a girl boss, right? She started as a writer's assistant in 2014, 2014. Mm-hmm. And she's just worked her ass off the entire time. And now she's sure running her own show like a boss. Yep. yep. I definitely, Unreal. I want to have her on so bad, like not even to talk PD. I just want to talk like career with her and be like, so you're a badass. Um, and we just wanted to admire you for that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, super but- great. But no, and then obviously, like we said, we had trivia too, which was so much fun. So much fun. Um, there's we, just, I, th- yeah, unfortunately, you guys just got to see an edited version, which was still amazing, but there's so much more out there, and it was just the best time. There was Jesse giving us a ton of crap. There was Nick being super competitive. Uh, My favorite, though, is the ending. Not even the phone of friend bit, but the ending, because the ending is not in there exactly the way it happened, but like with the wager mm-hmm. and Nick and Alberto wagering all their points. And Jesse's like, no, we're not doing that. No, I'm <laughs> keeping all my points. And then Nick still didn't understand the question. He just happened to guess it right. And then he still didn't understand the question after the end. So he ended up winning by accident. And it was just the most amazing ending to the but yeah, they, they did get that accurate that Nick was the winner. Um, yes, which means but he's he, like, he's undefeated on Media Somali's trivia, isn't he? Yeah, I think unofficial. I mean, we didn't really keep score as well the first time around. I think mm-hmm. he did technically win, but yeah, he definitely, he did still win. He just won by accident on a guess to a question he didn't understand. Uh, yep, yep. Also, Jesse and Nick kept calling each other brother, brother. and we died every single time. Yeah, I just I and I felt so bad for poor Alberto because obviously Nick and Jesse have been around since the beginning. I mean, obviously of their shows, but like Jesse was on even, you know, early fire season two before PD even started. And then mm-hmm. same thing with Nick. Nick was on PD season two before Matt even started. So they've been around for a long time. So even if they didn't know all the answers, they still have at least heard of some of these storylines and things like poor Alberto he just he didn't know and like at one point I asked him the question about Gallo which he did not know the answer to nope and he was just like oh okay I was just like he's just the most precious little cinnamon roll I know we really did try to throw him a softie and it it didn't yeah and Jesse got mad and I was like well we'll see and it didn't work. I tried so hard. I tried. I tried. And it, it was just funny. didn't work. Yeah. Some of the bits in there were so funny. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, we were, we were laughing so much. Like that was, that was a lot, a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I spoke to Joe, uh, later on in the week. That was a blast. Cause Joe's always a fun interview. And of course I only meant to ask like one Marvel question, which ended up into like follow-up question. Then just like more and more of a Marvel conversation. Because but- Joe, it's just a big nerd. Okay. Tell me I'm crazy. You're going to have to go back and watch the footage. Mm-hmm. In the Joe interview, I swear to God, in his like bookshelf thing behind him, did you the Infinity Gauntlet? I'm telling you, that's the Lego Infinity Gauntlet. I'm telling you, because there is a Lego set of the Infinity Gauntlet, and I've seen a lot of people build it. And I'm telling you, that's what it is. And I, we just should ask Joe because I'm dying to know. I noticed that behind him too, and like later afterwards, and I was like, is that the gauntlet? So there is, like I said. It looks like the Lego one. I know the Lego one's pretty popular, but like, oh my God. I was like, that, that is Joe, the proof right there. Joe is a Marvel nerd, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have the Infinity Gauntlet just it, casually in the background. Like, yeah. it's and fine. We had a wonderful conversation. He was so much fun to talk to. And- he's the best. I mean, I'm sad I couldn't join, but like, he's he's just the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're all the best. Everybody in that we've talked to in the last couple of weeks has been amazing. So. They've been amazing. And, and also, yes, surprise, we did NCAA brackets with Jimmy. We did. <laughs> that is a thing that we did. Yeah, that happened. Oh, my goodness. It was that that was hilarious. Um, that was hilarious. that happened again. OK, so again, we are in the past. So Kansas and North Carolina have not played yet. We don't know who the winner is at this time that y- you were hearing this. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just I, mad that I got passed. I was in the lead for so long. I was in the lead for so long. And I was like, there's no way they're going to pass me. And then freaking Gonzaga and Arizona killed my bracket. And yeah. I don't think it matters now who wins because Jimmy and I both picked Kansas for the championship. Right. And you're ahead right now. And I'm ahead. How is that possible that I'm going to win the bracket challenge? I don't know anything (laughs) about college basketball. I don't know. Like I said, I was doing so well and I was like kicking ass for like the round of 64 and the round of 32. I was dominating. And then like sweet 16 elite eight happened and I just got fucked. Yeah. So, so just to recap, if you guys don't know, like the, when you guys don't, because we we wanted to keep this as a surprise. So we made, we made a friendly wager with Jimmy. We did the bracket challenge. And if one of us won, he obviously, as you've seen now had to wear a made a Molly shirt on set and basically talk about how much better our podcast is than his. Uh, and then if it was the other way around, if Jimmy had won, we would have joined him on everything but the kitchen sink. Um, so, so that's been a fun one. That was, that was a lot of fun. And and we haven't seen the video yet, but as of this airing, we will have seen it. And that's hilarious. Yeah. Very, very fun week. It's been really last two weeks. Cause yeah, They've last a, fun two weeks. A lot. March a lot was fun. fun. March yeah. was a lot of fun for us. It was a lot of fun, but also I'm ready to like sit back and sleep for like three days. I know we need like a little break, but then we're getting ready to hit also two into like towards finale. So I'm sure like the next just two months are going to be insane. 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 Okay. So, but anyway, uh, but anyway, one Chicago. One Chicago. So we do have one patron shout out this week. Edel Highland has joined the family. Hi, Edel. I'm hoping I'm saying this right. I know you had, it was, I think that's right. Cause she said Adele, but like with an E. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So welcome to the family, Edel. If we mispronounced your name, please let us know. Um, 
so glad you're here welcome to the fam um yes we had a patron happy hour last week yes and of course that was fun so much fun oh and hopefully now because okay so we went pretty late like we always go pretty late but after brina had already logged off um one of our patrons, Sandra, asked, and she was like, hey, Gina, is Jesse still afraid of, to come on the podcast, Soffer? And I, by that point, yes, I'm definitely a little tipsy, right? And I was just like, I can't answer that question. So now you know why. <laughs> I love that. Now you know. So, oh my God, we had so much fun. That Although, hopefully, I mean, yes, it counts, right? Trivia counts. But like, we're still, we still are waiting for the one-on-one. That's I think just, like, just the fact that we, t- we talked to him. That, I know. Like, I know. But- I'm saying trivia definitely counts. It mm-hmm. definitely counts. It's just, we still have other Jay Halstead questions that we want to ask. So. Oh, hundred percent. We're still allowed to have him on solo, but this was definitely a step in the right direction. Yes. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but yes, if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can check out the link in our socials to our patron group. Uh, it's you know the, the big Patreon one, but there's three different tiers, two, four, and $6 episodes or $2, two, four, and $6 tiers. Dollar tiers. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Words. Um, yeah. And so you can go online, see which tier is best for you and join the Facebook group and join our family of like close to 85 now. Yeah. 80 ish yeah it's insane we had we had about 30 people on the happy hour it was a blast lots of fun yeah big time so definitely check that out and without further ado i think it's time to move into the episodes shall we let's do it what a night right oh my god i know (laughs) i know i've been we've been dying we were like oh my god we have to save it for the pod we have to save it for the pod it's been the worst like and you watched later than I did. Mm-hmm. I was like, as soon as we pretty much got the screeners, I watched them. And you, wa- and I was like, I need to talk about it with somebody. I just need to get this out. Yeah. And then out of the blue, like two days later, Brandon gets a text that's just like, oh my God. I was like, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Starting with Med. Uh, Dylan got the first scene, so he's first up because that's just how we roll. How, how it happens. Yeah. How it happens. Yeah. Okay. So Dylan's walking into the hospital, and surprise, it's Melana. She's just casually outside waiting for him, as one does, totally casual and not creepy at all. Nope. Nope. Casual. Casual. Stefan, the guy who is working with Melana on the case that we're like not supposed to know about, but do know about, remember that he came back into the hospital and he'd been shot during their deal. So he survived, but Dylan feels like hella guilty. He feels really, really guilty. And Melana is just kind of rationalizing. Melana says, you know, guys like Stefan, they know sooner or later they're going to get busted or shot. It's just part of the life. First of all, that's really cold. Yeah. Uh, but then Dylan just says, well, it's not my life. Like not anymore. See, see, Dylan knows he's not a cop anymore. See, but here's the thing. I agree. I think he's, I think this is the incident that made him realize it though. I don't think up until this point, I mean, like I said, I think Dylan definitely had some like blurred lines, but I think this really made him realize like, not necessarily that he doesn't want to be a cop anymore. Obviously he had already decided that he's decided to become a doctor, but like that he needs to have more boundaries than he's had prior. But I think this is the incident that made him realize it. I think there's definitely more to the story in terms of why he became a doctor beyond just like he fell in love with medicine. There's way more to that story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, I hope one day we get like the backstory, the Dylan backstory that we've like Mm -hmm. been craving. We get little pieces here and there, but like, I need more. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, side note, happy birthday to Guy Lockhart. It's his, it's his birthday today, April 6th. Yes. So, yep. Yep. Happy birthday. So he and Vanessa get a patient named Hector and it turns out that Hector is from a rival gang. So Hector recognizes Stefan as he's wheeled by and we find out that like, yeah, he's in the rival gang. So they're part of this like gigantic undercover op. So Dylan basically puts the pieces together, runs outside and is like, Milena, here's what I was able to piece together just by like a glance. Because he's, you know, he's smart yeah. like that. So yeah, he was like, I think he's in the other gang. I think there's a gang war incoming. Like, I think there's a situation. And all Hector did was like, look at his boy like who was there with him. And, and like give him a nod. Gave him a nod. And that was it. That was it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I think I think his police skills do come in handy, but yeah, you're it, it is good that he's starting to like recognize the line between like where he stops yeah. being a cop and starts being a doctor. And I think like it's one of those things, right? Like we like they all people always say that like you learn from your mistakes, and like obviously you don't want to learn from them. It's better to learn from someone else's mistakes, but like you mm-hmm. learn from your mistakes. And I think Dylan, this is just kind of a big example of that. Like Dylan made the mistake to kind of try to pretend he could be a cop and a doctor at the same time and I think it kind of backfired not in a terrible way but it did backfire a little bit and I think it just helped him realize that like no he's gotta like he is a doctor now he's not a cop not saying that some of his instincts don't come in handy every now and then but like he's got to keep those lines separate like they are separate for separate jobs for a reason right right so we bring Goodwin in on the situation Goodwin's (laughs) mad she mad yeah like she handles it professionally but the the subtext through all of this was like fucking hell damn it like just like an endless long string of like expletives is like the subtext yeah oh she's so pissed and so the head detective she's trying to reason with her she's like we really need your help on this like here's what we need and goodwin's like yeah and if i don't then you're just gonna charge me with obstruction of justice like very very clear to sharon or very clear to everybody in the room that this is a big pain in sharon's ass my favorite part, though, is when the next, like, next up, the lead detective's like, look, like, we're not so different. She's like, I'm in the healthcare business, too. And Goodwin's just like, I don't need you to school me. And yeah. I was just like, you tell him, Goodwin. But also just like, I was dying. I was just like, it's, I mean, I, that's a stretch to say you're in the healthcare business. But like, eh, I don't need you stretch. to school me is translation for it. That's, that's like the network version of bitch, please. Like. I need like a Goodwin shirt that says something along like I, you know, like I just picture, you know, our shirt with um Mouch that says like dreams need lockers to Joe. Like I just need a shirt that's like kind of similar where it's got like Goodwin and it just says like, I don't need you to school me. Like I isn't need- her iconic quote when she, she called Will a pain in her ass, but it was like, it was a like some, in some way she phrased it. I can't, I can't. I like, just feel like remember. we need some kind of merch with Goodwin inspirational, like fuck off quote type things yeah goodwin's greatest hits and like an inspirational yeah. poster form oh i'm on it i love that it. yeah that's hilarious um but yeah that was such bullshit when she's like i'm in healthcare too no you're not i mean it's a little bit of a stretch no like, you cannot bullshit sharon goodwin like that have some like that's like one of those like in debate when you're on debate team and you have to just like stretch it the furthest thing from the truth just to make your argument work i feel like that was this i'm in healthcare business eh, that you're is like the narcotics i guess the idea is that and i don't agree with this but i guess the idea is that Obviously, if you're stopping the drug dealers, you're saving people from ODing and help, you know, but like I said, I don't believe that argument, but 
like I said, that just seems like a very debate team argument. Like make the furthest point you can and like, just hope that it works Mm -hmm. really, really bad. Uh, but I did laugh. So Goodwin, Goodwin like tells her that she's like, don't bullshit me. Like I'm Sharon fucking Goodwin. Right. Um, and then she turns to Dylan and she goes, I'm relying on your clinical judgment, which like better Dylan than well. Yeah. I mean, if it had to be anybody's, at least it's Dylan's. Yeah. I mean, Will would have willed this up. Will in this situation would have been in like just comedy. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so Goodwin, Goodwin lays down the law. She's like, you are not to interfere with my doctors. Am I fucking clear? And the detective's like, yeah, you're clear. And she's like, and if you fuck up, I'm going to call the 21st. Not even like, I'm going to call CPD. I'm going to call, call the 21st. More specifically, I'm going to call Hank Voight. Yeah, I'm going to sick Void on you. Yeah. That's a pretty big threat. Yep. Oh man. Okay. So earlier in the episode, Maggie was like, you know what, Vanessa, like, I'm going to take you off this case. And Vanessa was like, no, absolutely not. So then Dylan tries the same thing. And Maggie, er, Vanessa's like, no, like, stop that. No, fuck no. And Maggie is like super confused. She's like, I tried to take her off the case. Now Dylan's trying to take her off the case. I think I'm onto something. So she goes to Goodwin. She realizes what's going on. And when Goodwin just explains it to her so nonchalantly, she's like, someone might be trying to kill one of our patients. Just Chicago Only Med things. Only things you hear at one Chicago, or at Chicago Med. Yeah, Only just, things you hear at Chicago Med. Chicago Med things. Just casual. Like, you may call that a difficult day, but at Chicago Med, it's just Tuesday. Just, just a normal day. No, it's fine. Totally, totally fine. So then Dylan and Vanessa, they try to take, take Stefan for an angiogram. He's like, he's like progressively getting worse throughout the episode, which like great timing, dude. Um, but a guy from El Rabioso tries to infer- interfere. El Rabioso is like the rival gang, which I Googled, by the way, I don't think they're real. Um, and El Rabioso just translates to the rabid. Interesting. I know. Like insert NBC, like the more, you know, gif. Ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah. So this guy from the rival gang tries to interfere and they're, they're, they're able to turn around before anything happens, which is good. Uh, because again, Dilly Spidey, Dylan's Spidey senses saved the day. Yeah. Yep. So they agree to hold off. They take Stefan to the pick you until further notice. Cause they're just, okay, we're just going to like hide him here. So then Melina FaceTimes and Melina's like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is dangerous. Um, if you send up flares at the next time of trouble, like I will pull the plug. And Dylan just goes, ain't gonna happen. So you understood the lines, but now you're blurring them again. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I think he's just committed to like making sure that nothing happens. And I think, I think honestly, more though, this moment is more about him not wanting to fuck things up for Melena because he kind of cares about her, which like, mm. we'll get to that. In a oh second. yeah. But like, I think it's honestly more about that than like him blurring the lines. I wonder if he was like the adrenaline junkie kind of cop who was just like always chasing the high of like busting cases and the action and everything. And that's why he switched to medicine because he knew it was going to get him in trouble one day. Do we know what unit Dylan was in? Oh, I feel like we did, but I can't remember. I don't remember either. For some reason, I want to say it was either narcotics or guns and gangs. I don't remember either. I feel like they told us. I'd have to go back and watch the first episode. Damn it. Oh, that, that bugs me that I can't remember. Um, yeah, so, so then Stefan crashes, so he's got to go to the ER. So on the way to the OR, 
Hector's friend tries to intercept as a hospital employee. Can we talk about how terrible this security guard guy was, though, that's like trying to he's like, okay, so they send a security guard to like walk with them, escort them to the OR. The guy's walking so fucking far in front of them (laughs) that like he's going on thinks that I guess they're right behind him. And that's how Hector's friend is able to like try to intercept. And I'm just like, dude, like the security guard that was sent there for their protection does absolutely nothing. Again, med is the least safe hospital in the country. But actually, though. like every week it's proven time and time again, like it's been blown up twice. Dead bodies go missing. Security doesn't really do anything. Like, My favorite thing, though, is that they want to do something else to med again for a future crossover. I know. I know. I don't know. I guess this is coming. I don't know if this is in part of who's, whichever outlet's video it is but they their future idea for a crossover as we learned on one chicago day is that they want to catch it set it on fire because apparently there are all these like special protocols and things that happen of course when a hospital is on fire which i think would be awesome i think makes for an awesome crossover idea but i just think it's hysterical that they want to do something to med yet again i know i know i laughed so hard when derek was like they don't like us at med i was like yeah because you keep trying to like blow up the building yeah, he's like, I don't understand why Andy and Diane just like aren't for that idea. And I'm like, really? Hmm. Really? Really? Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So, so Hector's friend, he tries to intercept and he's like, he's in like white scrubs. He basically like found a way to get into uniform or whatever. And thank goodness for Vanessa. Vanessa saves the day on this one. Like, thank God she fought her way to be on that case because she's the one who spots him and it's like, that's the friend. Yeah. That's the friend. And then we learned that Dr. Scott is a ninja. But actually, though, yeah, it's it's terribly edited. But I mean, at the end, you get the hint that he's a ninja. Yeah, because it's like with quick <laughs> reflexes, whoosh, like bing, bing, bing. like, uh, yeah, it was really, really badly edited. But he took care of business. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just usual things. Just well, and then, of course, things. as soon as Dylan gets him on the ground with his hands behind his back, the cops show up. And I was just like, really? Oh, great job, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the majority of doctors in the medical field are not former cops. So like, you probably can't rely on that too many times. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why with the security guard, he was like five feet in front of them. I was like, that's not how this works. Not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Nope. Yeah. So then we find out Stefan's going to be okay. Somewhere in like, somewhere in the terribly edited fray with this guy, Dr. Scott got like a cut on his face or something like that. So no, it's on his arm. On his arm. Okay. So Goodwin finishes stitching him up. And so she, she has this good conversation with him. And she just says, she's like, just try not to forget that the coat you're wearing these days is white, not blue. Yeah. I mean, he knows that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think this was a big learning moment for Dylan on that. Like, I Mm -hmm. don't know if he knew that prior to this, but I think he now knows it. Yeah. Yeah. I still think they've got to stop treating it like it's a bad thing, though, because, I mean, it came in handy, right? Like, it's one thing if Vanessa recognizes the guy without Dylan, then, like, she's still kind of screwed. Right. I mean... And I don't want to place the blame on Dylan, because ultimately, right, none of this is really Dylan's fault. Mm -hmm. But, like... It is kind of hard to not say that, like, if Dylan had just done his job as the doctor and kept Stefan in the first place and, like, the retaliation hits don't happen and yada, 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 and whatever. Like I said, it's not really Dylan's fault, but, like, you know, Dylan shouldn't have let him go either last episode. Yeah, and that's that's where the lesson was learned, where he was like, oh, fuck, like. Right, like, like, he was trying to do the right thing in that moment by helping Milena and, like, 
letting Stefan go not blow his cover, but like he should have also done the doctor thing and like, you know, done the I don't even remember what it was like pre it like what kind it was some surgery to like help prevent something or whatever mm-hmm. from happening further, but whatever it was, like like I said, it's this is not the gang war is not Dylan's fault, but you know, I think yeah. Dylan learned his lesson. For sure, for sure. So then at the very end, Melena shows up and they're like talking and progressively getting closer and closer. And in the outline, I have it typed as Melena shows up at Dylan's and oh, wow, they're making out. I had that last part typed before they even started making out because I was like, this is obvious where we're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. then they do the whole like talking low, closer and closer kind of thing. And one of them's like, this could be dangerous. I'm like, I'm okay with dangerous. And they start making out. Yeah. I don't hate it though. I don't hate the idea of it. I just, for me personally, I don't think they really have chemistry. And like, I would okay. love, I want to see Dylan in a relationship. Like, I think Dylan would, like, I think Dylan is set up for a ship. Like, I need Dylan in a ship. Mm-hmm. But like, I just don't feel like Dylan and Melena have chemistry. I think they just have this bond over being cops and like that's what they think is like they find attractive about each other or whatever and I don't know but like I like I said I don't hate the idea of it I just don't think they really have chemistry per se either yeah now that you say that I think about it I'm like yeah the chemistry is not really there I think it's just I think I think her being an undercover cop it's gonna like not like feed that part of him but like that kind of replaces that part of him that he lost when he became a doctor for yeah. sure. And I like I think it seems obvious too that Melena is definitely not forever material. Like she is like, this is definitely like one or two more episodes at the max mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like I don't even see know if I see her sticking around till the end of the season. I could see her dying at the end of the season. Is that too brush Ooh, to say? Yeah. Interesting. I could see that where like Dylan's starting to like not like fall for her, but like really care about her. And like, oh, are we gonna do that? Her I can see Dylan's it. heart out at the oh, I know. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I could see it. Damn, I know. Mm. Okay, um, um, yeah, I mean, that's not how I want it to go, but like it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but like I said, I don't hate the idea of it, it's not the worst ship ever, but like I just don't see the chemistry there per se. For no, me. I get that. Yeah. Now to talk about William and like sort of Archer and sort of Hannah. Kind of. Hannah was like Dr. Charles a little bit. Yeah. Hannah kind of like crossed into two different stories this week. Well, it's really just, yeah. 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 Ish. Kind of. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So Brenna, take it away. Okay. So basically, like we said, Hannah's just come back. It's her first day back in the ED. And Archer comes in to like welcome her, but only in the way Archer can do. And he's like, you know, you're good to go with your drug test or whatever. And he was like, okay, thanks. And Archer's like, yeah, we're going to do this weekly. And she's like, well, Miss Goodwin said it was only going to be once a month. He's like, well, it's my ED, not hers. And I was just like, only Archer. Why? Only what? Archer. Uh, we asked Andy and Diane about like the Archer thing, but I think we phrased it a little too nicely because like, I just don't understand how a human being can get off on being such an asshole. Like, are you happy with that life? Just going around being mean to everybody? Right. Well, and I think it's funny the fact that like he thinks that, I mean, it is, I guess, technically his ED as, you know, the chief of that department. But like, I think it's funny that he's like, well, it's my ED, not Goodwin's. And it's just like, Goodwin runs everything. Like, let's be real here. 
But like he's coming, he's he's judging Hannah before he even gets to know her, and it, that he's yeah, he's already expecting her to fail. Which like just because she's an addict, it doesn't an addict doesn't make her a bad person. It means like she still deserves the same respect that you would give any other doctor. No, for sure. She deserves the benefit of the doubt. Like, it's just yeah. like innocent to pro- until proven guilty. Like, she deserves the benefit to prove herself as, you know, someone who is clean and sober and, you know, whatever. And not the same person that everyone else at Med knew prior to her leaving for LA. Mm-hmm. But Archer just is going to be fucking Archer about it and, you know, be an asshole. Yeah. And I mean, I, at first I was just like, you can't be saying those things to a recovering addict, right? Like you don't want to be the, like you, you, you don't want to say those kind of things. You can't be that brash. But then I was like, it's not even that it's that he's not even showing her the same decency as he would a different doctor. Right. And like I said, I don't even think if you, if Goodwin had said, if anyone else had said like Hannah, you know, until they can really prove that she's changed and that she is sober, like that, I don't think there's anything bad about the drug testing Hannah weekly like I don't think there's anything bad about that but like Archer just handles it all in the wrong way he you know it's just like going behind Goodwin's back and like making the decision to like do it and it's just it all just does not work well and the fact that she came in when they when like they met for dinner in the last episode it's Archer like right off the bat was just kind of like you weren't my pick because you're an addict but like okay yeah like she shouldn't have to like I don't know if I'm coming into a new environment like a work environment and like that that's what that's what they're telling me right off the bat is like we don't trust you we're kind of settling for you there's no way I'm sticking around yeah for sure I I'll be curious to see where this all goes in these last couple episodes yeah for sure um and like I said especially too because not saying that Archer's not an asshole to everyone but at least when Archer first came in he was trying to prove himself to Ethan and so mm-hmm. and he kind of in some way got to know the other doctors and then just continued to be an asshole once he you know took Ethan's spot mm-hmm. but like he's just being an asshole to someone he's literally never met before ever so like why right anyway right but then of course like Archer leaves and William finally se- William I'm just gonna call him William and so William <laughs> sees Hannah through the glass doors of the doctor's lounge and it's just like Oh man. I was not expecting those puppy dog eyes. Were you? No, I thought there was, I honestly expected more of a reaction. Like I really wanted to see, do we think that is the first moment Will found out that Hannah was coming back or just the um, first moment that he saw her I and that he already knew? Yeah, I think he already knew. I think he I really knew. want to know what his reaction was when he like found out that she was coming back. Well, I mean, who told him? Goodwin or her? definitely not her i got the impression that they're seeing that i'm going to talk about in two seconds is their first time they're talking since she yeah. left no i think that's the first time they definitely saw each other but like i knew will was gonna be like happy i just didn't expect him to be that happy yeah anyway so hannah and will fi- later on you know hannah and will finally do have a little talk at the doctor station hi hannah i uh would have known you were coming back i what about your house plan? I know I um kind of went radio silent on you. Sorry about that. It must have been some decision coming back here. It couldn't have been easy, given our relationship. You know, last time around we got into some pretty unhealthy patterns. Um, my coming back here is not about you or us. It's about me. 
This job, this position, it's everything I've worked for. It's everything I want. Glad to hear it. Look, I know that we have history, Will, but it is history. This cracks me up for a couple of reasons. Because, like, I it's funny to me how Will is just like, hi, like, feelings, love, angst. Like, we left off in a bad place, blah, blah, blah. And Hannah's like, yeah, I didn't come back for you. And also, no. I was really proud of her. I don't even necessarily care for Hannah that much as a character yet. I guess we'll see what happens in you know the next little bit. But like, I don't even necessarily care for Hannah that much as the character right now. But like, I was just like, yes. I was like, I just appreciate the fact that she just laid it all out there. She's just like, listen, like you are not what I came back for. Like I am here solely for the job. Like yeah, we can be friends, but you know, anything else, we're not. No. Yeah, I stand a queen with healthy boundaries. Yes. At a girl. I, I love that so much. Yeah. But just it makes me laugh that Will like assumed it was all about him. Oh honey. Oh honey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Will gets this patient who is a teenager and she's brain cancer. Um, and she came in because she had a seizure. But she decides not she's not treating the brain cancer. She's you know, and the seizures have seemed to go away for right now. So she's they decide to leave. But then, of course, she has another seizure in the waiting room. And so she's under, she's like 16, 17. She's definitely under 18. So Will gets the parents' consent to a head CT. And so he and Dr. Charles talk to the parents, but they are very firm on respecting their daughter's wishes. She doesn't want to treat it. You know, it's whatever kind of cancer it is. I've, I've never heard of it. It's a different name. It's a glioma, which I think is yeah. a fancy word for a brain tumor. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's brain cancer. So, but mm-hmm. I just had, I don't think I'd ever heard of glioma, mm-hmm. but um, it's not curable. So like, it's obviously it can shrink, but it, you know, it's just kind of then making her comfortable until she would ultimately pass. And so she's just, she's not wanting to do it. And her do- parents are respecting that. But Will is like going to go Will about it. And he's like, yeah, no. And so he and Dr. Charles leave the room and he's like, oh, I, is that medical neglect? Like, I think it might be medical neglect. And she's like, Will. No, Will. No, it's no. not. Oh, Will's just going to Will. And, you know. Just the way he's like, uh, he, he's carrying on the legacy of like, is it child abuse? I think it's child abuse. No, Natalie, calm down. No, not because parents don't do everything, you know, aren't like super involved doesn't mean it's being neglectful. Yeah, and and the minute he said neglect, I was like, oh god, here we go. But also, I think cancer cases especially probably trigger him because it brings up memories of when his mom died. Probably, which like we still don't know the full story there. We're never gonna know at this point. Oh my god, we're not because neither part is alive. <laughs> like ten. Well, and also we're like ten years in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yep. Ish. Um. But so Dr. Charles does talk to the girl's mom while she's making some kind of like special tea for her daughter. And like, you know, you can tell that the mom, like it isn't what the mom wants. Like the mom probably would have had her do chemo and all that stuff. Like it's her daughter's life. And she just is choosing to respect that, which I can, you know, appreciate and admire. Um, so her scans come in from, they, Call, you know, got her scans from her doctors over at East Mercy. And it turns out her tumor is shrinking. But then 
And so they go in and they're telling her this, but they're like, well, we don't know why. And so we'd like to kind of maybe try to figure out like why it's shrinking. And then of course, all of a sudden she's like puking up blood. And that is a lot of blood. Oh my God. It was like a horror movie. It was like the exorcist. Just like, like, I feel like a lot of times when people end up coughing up blood, it's just like a little bit, you know, in what would be like the palm of your hand. Like, but this was literally just blood everywhere. Like gushed it. Oh my God. Yeah. That was bad. And so then there's this guy, Ben, that's with them, who is, I guess, her boyfriend. They never make this clear. Okay. This is I what's cracking okay, up about they, that. Here's the thing. They don't make it clear. They say at one point, like at the end that they're sweethearts, but like, so they're definitely not siblings, but like, does that just mean they're like kind of friends who you've hope had been to get together? Or are they actually dating? Like, I, I don't know. They don't make that super, super clear. No. And they don't say the sweetheart comment till the end. So this whole right. time I'm like, is this her twin brother? Is this her boyfriend? Are they siblings or are they dating? Yeah. So he asked Dr. Charles, like, if she's going to be okay. And he's like, you know, we can't guarantee or whatever. But at this time they're zooming in on his hand. And so like Dr. Charles is like doing his Dr. Charles stuff and like calculating it all in his head and so we were just like okay like dr charles is on it it'll be fine i could never tell what they like if they zoomed in on his hand and i was like why are we doing that i don't see anything like what right. am i supposed same. to see here same but so what ends up happening is they end up finding out that like they test the tea basically they decide to test the tea and it turns out the tea isn't toxic but ben has been putting in these like chemo capsules and like crushing them up in his hands and like putting them in her tea without her consent so that's why they focus on the hands because he's got chemical burns from the chemo pills and which i again i would have never thought about i mean i I think it kind of made it obvious that he was probably putting something in the tea that part i understood but i didn't understand the zooming in on the hands but once they explained it it's like oh i got it i feel like we've learned quite a bit about what exactly constitutes assault in the last week or two yeah and so the parents you know they end up having to of course call authorities and whatever but the parents aren't gonna you know they don't even want it to go that far and Jack Charles is like listen like you know if we find out something like this like it's protocol we have to report it like you don't have to press charges and they say they're not but like yeah and of course Will still is like pushing for chemo he's like listen he's like I know this isn't what you wanted but it's clear and obviously it should have happened this way but like it's clear that it's working and you know you should try this you should try it you should try it and well they're just like no um, and so Dr. Charles and Will end up having this conversation at the end. And it's just, you know, um, I think it's Dr. Charles who says, right. Like whoever said love heart sure knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, and then of course, while Dr. Charles is saying this, Hannah, it's just so happens to be over Dr. Charles shoulder at the doctor station. So Will is looking at her and it's just like, oh man, this is not, this is where we're going. Stevie who? Yeah, I, I. The more time we spend away from Stevie, the more I'm not convinced that I'm convinced they're just going to let it go and that she's just dropped and like, that's it. Yeah. Unfortunately. But also it seemed like it was, it seemed like what Will and Hannah had was not serious, right? It ended up being serious because it happened right on the cusp of COVID. But I got, I almost felt like when Hannah left that Will was relieved that's what I think. I think he was. I, I really need to go back and rewatch those like couple of episodes or at least the Hannah and Will scenes because 
Yeah. And I guess obviously, of course, like some, a relationship can be casual. You can break up and then you can get back together. And it be, turns out that person is maybe your person. And like, of course, right. Like there are different levels to all relationships just because it was casual once doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't realize that maybe it was more serious than it was, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely back then at the end of season five, mm-hmm. right. That's the end of season five, beginning of season so. six. Like that was definitely not the vibe I got. No. But this makes it seem that like Will, like she's like the long lost love of Will's life or something like that. And I'm like, I didn't believe that. That's weird. That's the weird part to me. I'm like, why are you, why are you lusting after her? Like you didn't know. Because here's the thing, right? Like if Hannah never comes back, if they don't bring back Jesse Schramm as a series regular, I don't think Hannah has crossed. I mean, I'm not saying Hannah's never crossed Will's mind. I'm sure (laughs) she has at points, especially I'm sure when he's been dealing with patients with like that are addicted or, you know, (laughs) that are addicts or whatever. But like, I don't think she's, he's really been sitting here pining over Hannah for the last two years of his life. No, no way. No, when, when Goodwin told him that she was coming back, that's probably the first time he's heard her name in in probably a good year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely, the more they play into the will and Hannah of it all, the more I'm like, I don't think Stevie's going to come back. I don't think he's going to come back. I don't either. Sucks. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it makes me a little well, or maybe not. Maybe they're setting it up so that maybe Will and Hannah are like just about to get back together, and Stevie's like, "I'm back." Okay, but if that happens, though, I was thinking about this earlier when I was rewatching this episode. Gee, I don't know if I want a love like I don't want a Will Hannah Stevie love triangle. I would take it over Will willing all over the place. I mean, I or don't know. I, I don't just. Know. I don't, I don't know if I need a Will Hannah Stevie love triangle. I just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like, I didn't hate them when they were together, Hannah and Will, but like, I wasn't crazy about them. The only, the time when I like got over them, over them was when she popped up in that season premiere after COVID. And I was like, okay, okay. No, now it's time to like, yeah, you gotta go. Yeah. You gotta go. You've run your course. You're done. I don't know. Yeah. But Hannah looks like she's doing well. And um, her haircut with that bob looks fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And I like this. If this is the version of Hannah, of course, obviously, the first version of Hannah we got was a very unstable, unpredictable, of course, because of her addiction Mm -hmm. um, version of her. And so if this is the, like, girl boss, like, I ain't got time for shit. Like, I care about my patients. I'm here to do right by my patients version of Hannah we're going to get. I can get behind that. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if I'm ready to get back in the Will Hannah mess of a relationship. Yeah. And I'm hoping that they're going to leave the addiction part, like in the past that we like, they can move. We don't need a relapse. We don't need a relapse. Let's, let's get to learn. Let's get to know Hannah as like a clean version of herself. Let's get to know this new Hannah. Yes, definitely. We definitely need the addiction in the past. Like, of course I want Hannah to talk about it and talk about how she overcame it and talk about how she became sober. I want her to talk about that Mm -hmm. because obviously that's important for any of her relationships. Like I need her to talk about it, but I don't need her to like relapse or be tempted by drugs or, you know, anything like that. We just don't need that. Nope. Nope. Not one bit. So then we've got Crockett and Dr. Blake, because those two don't do anything apart this season ever. Yeah. Okay, so a patient comes in with complications from her five months post-op transplanted uterus, 
Oh yeah. I said that correctly. Transplanted uterus. Yep. Even Hannah is like shocked when she hears it. Like they come in, like the medics give the details and Hannah's like, what? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Okay. So she's like, this woman's like uncontrollably bleeding and it's cause the lining of her uterus is too thick, which is why it's just like everywhere. Um, plus she got the, she got the uterus from a cadaver, which that typically is like, they're unpredictable when you get a uterus from a dead person. Everything that I'm saying sounds horrible. Um, I know. I like, part of me wanted to Google it. And then I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I can't, I'm not Googling this. Like, this is one thing I just feel like I'm not going down that rabbit hole. The minute they were like, oh, the lining of your uterus is too thick. That's why you're bleeding. I was like, ah, I know it was like mine hurt just because I was like, no, we don't know. No, no. But yeah, then I was, and then they were talking about the cadaver and I was like, okay, but I'm curious then about like cadaver, obviously how many times has it been done with a cadaver versus a lot, you know, like from a living. And I just, I had so many questions, but I was like, I'm going to stay away from that corner of the internet today. No, (laughs) thank you. We're not doing that. Yeah. Not today. Yeah. So Hannah is asking Dr. Blake, she's like, okay, well, is there a way that we could do another transplant? Like if her body like rejects this uterus, can we do that? And Crockett's like, yeah, I'm on board with that. And Dr. Blake just shoots it down. She's like, no, not absolutely not. She's not a good candidate. I'm not going to waste a uterus on this. And then she even says, she's like, transplants are supposed to save lives. This is an elective procedure, which like, of course it is. But at the same time, like this just highlights the inherent sexism in medicine. Like, yeah. If this didn't have to do with, like, if it were a man and it had to do with, like, their reproductive organs, oh, man, it would be FDA approved. It would be vital. Like, it would be fully funded, all that stuff. But since it's a woman and it's just her weedy little uterus and it's just not that big of a deal, it's an elective procedure. When I think, too, I think just in general, the stigmatism around elective procedures versus, like, things that are truly life-saving, just because mm-hmm. something's elective doesn't mean that it's not important to the patient. And to them, it is not, like, a vital life you know, mm-hmm. procedure. Um, you know, I think about just, you know, other things that, you know, my dad's son that are, would technically be considered elective or whatever. And I'm like, just because it's not important to you and you don't see it as like life-saving doesn't mean to the, to the patient that it's not. Yeah. And, and it brings up the question of like, just because you can, does that mean you should? Right. Which is an interesting debate. And in, I guess in, in the context of medicine, but I mean, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because like, you know, she wants to have this done. She wants to have kids. This isn't a situation where like, it's like a hip replacement, right? Where it's like constantly causing her pain. She just, she wants to be able to have children. Right. But yeah, there, it's, a, yeah, the whole thing was a little unsettling. And just, I mean, I understand Dr. Blake, like immediately tr- like striking it down, but man, the sexism in medicine, which like, I didn't realize it until that moment that I was like, shit, like the system, most systems are really skewed against women. Like that sucks. When I think you kind of think about it too, right? Think about the field of plastic surgery, mm-hmm. right? Like for the most part, I think a lot of it is elective, not saying that there's not instances where it's not, but a mm-hmm. lot of it is elective surgery. And, but that doesn't mean, you know, and I think in a lot of cases, a, a lot of obviously, of course, a lot of times plastic surgery is done on women patients, right? Who want Mm -hmm. to do something to their breast or their butt or their whatever. Um, and I think too, the inherent sexism in that too, is like, oh, well, plastic surgery, eh, it's just women getting their butt implants or their breast implants or whatever. And it's just like, it was something I was thinking about a lot too, which is like, wow, like, I never really thought about it in that context, but when I've started then thinking about it in terms of plastic surgery, which is a whole 
field of surgery that Mm -hmm. is kind of seen mostly as elective and like done by women, you know, are done on women patients. But like you think about it, you're like, oh, and just the way it's perceived. I was like, oh, well then. Yeah, for sure. I had something else that I was going to say and I can't remember what it was, but yeah. Well, okay. No, I would, I know what it was. Is that like, if you're like, even though you're a doctor, you don't get to judge what's going to improve somebody's quality of life. So like, if it's a hip replacement, yeah, great. If it's a transplanted uterus, so that person can have a child. Great. You don't get to judge that. Right. Or even if it's just something is like simple, even more simple than that, then like, on like I said, on back to the plastic surgery as like a breast reduction or even a breast, like, you know, getting your breasts enhanced, like mm-hmm. who cares? To you, it might not be a big deal, but to that person who is choosing to get it done, it is probably a big deal. Yeah. Like you don't get to judge it and you don't get to gatekeep it either. Right. And that's a little bit of that is kind of what Dr. Blake was doing. Like just, it was a little judgy of her to be like transplant save lives. That's, you don't get to gatekeep your profession. Right. Oh, that works. Now, granted, if it's a situation where like if a major trauma comes in or something and like the guy's an organ donor versus like having to do the plastic, like the uterus or like the or plastic course. surgery, that is different. Of course, of course. But if we're talking about just general, nothing is happening in the day, you have your just normal scheduled surgeries, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is my schedule today. I'm doing a liver transplant. I'm doing a this, I'm doing a that. Like then yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, as after- after Dr. Blake shoots it down, we get this little moment between Hannah and, and I almost called Archer. him. Oh, no, it is Dr. Archer. I was like, yeah, I jumbled my words. Hannah and Dr. Archer. Disappointed? Yeah. To be honest, I agree with Dr. Blake. Really? And is that because of the medicine or because of your feelings about me? I don't know. Maybe a little of both. These two are going to be the death of me. It's going to be a wild last five episodes now like the in the uncontrollable rage i feel when archer is like horrible and a total dick to her it's gonna kill me the thing is too is like yes i i was a very annoyed like hannah and dr archer is gonna be a showdown for the ages it really is Mm -hmm. but the thing that i picked up on this from this conversation is that dr archer is still into pamela and i have a feeling that's gonna come back and fight somebody in the ass or it's gonna come back up and it's gonna be some awkward love triangle again oh I hope she friend zones him so hard right but like you know what I'm saying like he he was like yeah maybe I am into her you know maybe it is maybe you know whatever and I'm just like really we're still going here the the way the Dr. Archer is talking to Hannah right now it's I think the main goal is for it to like harden her up and like just kind of prove herself but like she like it's just not necessary it's not it's not necessary like I no, no. But the fact that she was like, she even asked, she's like, is this your medical opinion or because of how you feel about me? He's like, maybe a little of both. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like, no. I would say that. I wouldn't last a day in the ED because I would be the one who's like, well, fuck you. And then Miss Goodwin would be like, I should fire you, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to remove the uterus, but this patient is like, no. And she lists off all the different things she's done to have a child. And it's like, it's, it's a very long list and it's kind of heartbreaking, right? She's like this many rounds of IVF, like this many transplants, these different treatments, she's done everything in her power to have a child. And I mean, you can tell when she rattles off this list that like, 
this isn't something where she's jumping to the most drastic option immediately. She is, she's been through every single other option possible. And this is the only one she has left is to do another transplant. Yep. So yeah. Um, so her sister offers to donate her uterus, but the patient said like the, uh, I don't remember the patient's name, but she's like, no, absolutely not. Cause like the, the whole plan was that they were going to raise children together. Right. And so she's like, absolutely not. You don't get to like do that. And so she like bags Hannah and Crockett. She's like, can you guys please just call other hospitals? Like if Dr. Blake doesn't believe in this, then somebody else in the Chicago area is going to. Um, so then we run out of time because she's hemorrhaging. It's getting even worse. The sister is insisting. And so Crockett appeals to Pamela. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're taking Clarence to surgery. We have a live donor. Will you do the transplant? Crockett, transplant medicine is about saving lives when people have no other option. She does. I, I don't pretend to understand the bond between a mother and a child, but you do. You and Avery. And now you have the chance to give that experience to someone else. Pamela. All right. Fine, I'll do it. He's got balls appealing to both the Avery card and the, like, you were a mom card. I know. I honestly thought at this point, Avery was just like an unspoken thing. Like, they were never, he was, coming from Crockett, it was never to be spoken of again. And so I, when he brought her up, I was like, oh, okay, we're going here. It's got balls. And, and, and he called her by her first name too. Like, yeah, Pamela, which like only Crockett can make it sound as sexy as it does, you know, and especially even in a moment where he's like trying to like, and she's, he's just like Pamela. And I'm just like, oh, I don't even like them together, but I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. The Crockett charm voice. It's very much a thing in the scene. Very, very much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to, to do that in a, to do that in a professional setting and go from like, respecting her title and everything to be like Pamela like mm-hmm. risky business sir and nobody else in that hospital will get away with it except for Crockett yep yep and it yep. works though mm-hmm. yep so then Claire's the patient's name she crashes in surgery but they get her back and Dr. Blake just makes this remark she's like this is why we don't do elective surgeries like plenty of other ways to have a baby okay but that's not your decision right it's not your decision and if you were really, really still gung-ho about it, you wouldn't have done the surgery. Right. You wouldn't have agreed after Crockett pleaded with you to do the surgery. Right. So, like, you've already agreed to do it. Like, you can't then, like, take backseat. Like, this is not, like, we're not five, and this is not a game of take backseats. Like, that's not <laughs> how this goes. Yeah, no take backseats with someone's uterus. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So then Crockett goes to thank Pamela for doing the surgery. And like, this is basically how every Crockett and Dr. Blake story ends with like, it's like nighttime and they're either on like the fake blue screen balcony or like they're in the office and Crockett goes in with his charm voice and is like, thanks for doing the surgery. And then she just admits, she's like, we had Avery via surrogate. And she just said, she's like, I guess today brought up a lot of old feelings and maybe a little bit of regret. And then it's they a really it's really a shame that I'm not as into 
Pamela and Crockett as I wish I was, Mm -hmm. because I really do. The one thing I do appreciate about that relationship now that we've kind of moved past the like secret secrets and like Avery part of it Mm -hmm. is that I do really appreciate the fact that like, they're slowly starting to open up to each other. And like, I really have enjoyed like last week it was Crockett opening up to him about his daughter or her about his daughter. And like, this is, I mean, like, this is big stuff they're opening up to each other about. And I can really appreciate how like it's well-paced. Like I do really like that part of it. I just, I still am not over the start. I still don't really like their camp. Like there's still lots of things I don't like about it, but I can't appreciate writing wise, like the pace of the relationship because I did really like this moment. I just, it's a shame that I'm not into Crockett and Dr. Blake as, as you know, I wish. Yeah. I was. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you on that. Right. Like I'm not crazy about Dr. Blake. I don't hate her, but I don't love her, but she means a lot to Crockett. Yeah. And, and that's I why I'm Crockett. invested. Yeah. yeah. And I love Crockett. So yeah. like I said, I don't know, like, and I think hard, it's hard right now too, because, okay, so we're not, a, we're just finished episode 17. Mm-hmm. We've got five episodes left in the season. Mm-hmm. Like, are we keeping um, Sarah Rafferty around for next season? Like, I don't know, like what's going to happen. Like, what is the end game? Like, is she going to be sticking around for a while? Like, is she not? Like, she's just going to be gone at the end of the season? Like, I think until I know that too, it's hard for me to even try to be invested in them because I don't want to then get attached to something and like her leave. Yeah, that's also a great question. And I I, I wouldn't be mad if she stuck around. I'm not necessarily, and I think I'd be more willing to warm up to her if I knew she was going to stick around. But I think I'm just also hurt after like I got so attached to Natalie and Crockett and the idea of them. And then that just blew up in my face and Tori left. And I'm just like, I'm holding off for a little bit. I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I want to like Dr. Blake. She's just kind of cold. I want to like Dr. Blake, but I still would have also preferred Avery. And I think that's where my problem is. I'm like, but there's Avery out there. Like we could still have Avery. Same these. And they just had so much more chemistry. And I just like, I'm like, but there's Avery. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Avery. <laughs> but Avery. Yeah. So, but I will see, we'll see. I'm not like opposed to, you know, eventually getting on the wagon or anything. I just kind of need some more, but like that, I really have appreciated the way these episodes for them have ended with them opening up to each other. I think I really have enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So any other notes on med? Solid episode. Moving into fire. Oh man. Oh man is right. Oh man, is right. all the feelings, all the fucking feelings, so many feelings, so many feelings. Okay. We're going to start off with Joe and Chloe and Javi. This was just such a, like, this was such like an emotional doozy. I really like though. I really kind of didn't know after the way last week's episode. And, well, not last. I keep wanting to say last week, last episode, but it's been, there was a little hiatus in there. The way that last episode ended, I didn't really know. Like, obviously, of course, that Javi was going to be living with them for the time being. But mm-hmm. like, would we see them again? Would we see them go, you know, a potential fostering, something more official route of like a fostering or even adoption? So I'm glad we're like still following up on this. Like, I really was glad to see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Um yeah, I mean, we, we've got Dadum on PD, but there's no way to, like, blend Joe and Dad together to make it. Yeah, seamless. I know. We got to come up with some, like, Cruise Dad nickname. Mm-hmm. We got to, if you guys have any suggestions, let us know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I'm loving it. It's great. Yes, definitely. Take it away. Okay. So episode starts. Joe, Chloe, and Javi, they're getting ready for the day. And, you know, 
going over to schoolwork, like just so domestic. And I love it so much. And Javi's just like, well, how, you know, he asked them kind of casually about like how long he'll be with them, you know, whatever. And Joe's like, well, we have a meeting with your caseworker this week and we'll find out then. And Javi mentioned something possibly about like having an aunt out there, but like, and seems kind of sad about it. And so Joe and Chloe take that as one way. Javi takes it as another way, which we find out later in the episode, but like, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So Joe shows up for shift and Herman brings him some clothes, you know, for Javi that his kids have outgrown. And he's like, well, how are things going? And Joe's like, of course, like, he's a great kid. He's like, you know, of course, him and Chloe are getting attached. He's like, but it's complicated because Javi's anxious to find a relative. And so, you know, it's just complicated. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is complicated. So they get back from their call, which like, we'll get to, (laughs) we'll get to, um, and Joe gets off the phone with Javi's school and they apparently want him to come by after shift for a parent-teacher conference. And Herman is trying to like prepare him for the worst. He's like, when you get called in, it means your kid's done something wrong. Like, trust me. <laughs> um, which like Herman does have the type of kids that like you probably would have to be worried about a parent-teacher conference. But Joe, I, you know, I knew right from the beginning. I was like, there's no way Joe's going to have anything. It's not because something's wrong. So Yeah. But I did laugh later when Herman, like later at the end of shift in the locker room and Herman's trying to give this like hypothetical about your kid gluing another kid's head to the table. And I was just like, that is such a Herman child thing to do. Yeah. Just the way he spun it around, I thought was hilarious. He's like, why would you put scissors in a room with kids? Yeah. (laughs) I was just dying. I I was, I thought it was funny. Um, so Joe goes to the parent teacher conference and it's uh, like I said, it's nothing bad. His teacher, Javi's teacher just mentions that like Javi's been much happier the last few weeks. And she's just like, you know, whatever you and your wife are doing, it, it's making a big difference. So the teacher then gives Joe all of these past due, like past due and upcoming assignments so they can like structure it so they can help him, you know, at home with them. And so later at home, they're like, he and Javi and Chloe are sitting at the table and they're just splitting the assignments up between Javi and, or between Joe and Chloe. And this scene is so cute. I die every time I've watched it. I love how they're going through and, you know, she's like, okay, well, all we have left is like English and math. And Joe decides to take English because he's all about the Charlie and the chocolate factory book. And she's like, oh, I get stuck with unit fraction. Like, it's just, it's so cute. And like the way Javi then um like mimics chloe at one point she's like no way and he's like no way like i just i love that i love i've gone back and watched this scene so many times i love it so much it's they're they're like domestic Cruz and chloe is the best thing ever but also like was there ever a doubt that it wouldn't be no we always knew it was going to be the freaking best yeah for sure and it was really like i really appreciated like in your interview with joe just his reflection about like how much fatherhood has changed and like how he kind of didn't know what the journey was going to be like, but like how much he's appreciated that Joe's really seemed to take to it pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. I, I, like you said, I knew that he would be a natural at it, of course. And even with Javi, like we've seen it obviously a little bit with baby Otis, but baby Otis is still a baby. So like, it's not the same as it is with someone who's, they say Javi's in fourth grade. So that would make him like Like nine, 10, something something like like that. Yeah. And so like, it's very different. And I just, they're such naturals and I've just, I love it so much. It feels so organic. And that's been the, that's been the part that I'm loving the most about this is that like, of course, Joe was going to doubt himself at first, but then of course, Joe was going to be amazing at it because yeah. that's Joe. There was never a doubt in my mind that like, he wouldn't be absolutely perfect at this and just magically know what to do. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
later on, Joe and Chloe meet with Javi's caseworker, and he mentions that they're like stretched to the max. They've got, you know, a bunch more um, children to work with, and he, you know, they're trying to match them up. Well, there's a lot going on. And he's like, well, also, we've kind of, you know, we've searched all our options. Like, it doesn't seem likely that we're going to find Javi a family member to take over his care. So they just need to know, like, what they're okay with whatever Chloe and Joe decide, but they just need to know, like, what their plans are long term in terms of Javi. Like, do they want Javi to stay with them or they do they not? Like, you know, they just kind of have to figure it out. So later that night, Javi and Joe and Chloe are, you know, sitting on the couch, whatever. And Javi shows Joe and Chloe the B that he got at his fractions assignment that Chloe helped him with. And they are so proud. I know. Um, it's the most precious thing. Um, but then they decide to bring up the elephant in the room. Uh, hey, Javi, um, we got to talk to you about something. Uh, so, um, we, we saw Eddie, your caseworker. Uh, Sweetie, they can't find your hand or any other family in the U.S. for you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no one? Uh, no, no, I I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I don't want to live with someone else. I don't know. Even if they are called aunt. Maybe I can stay here. This made me cry tears of happiness. I, I just, I love it. I love it. So Maybe I can stay here. I was like, oh my God. Oh my I God. <sighs> yeah. So I, like, Cruz yeah. and Chloe, this just highlights how good they are for each other and how they balance each other. Um, yeah, you could like it, it's all just art. Art, I tell you, art. Really, like, and it couldn't have gotten any better. And I just I hope we get to see more of it. I know obviously Joe is totally new. Like, not only is Kristen hard to track down these days, but apparently this little kid Carlos is like also very hard to track down these days. So he's not sure, obviously, of course, like how much we'll see of them, but like I just need more of them. I need them to make this official, adopt the kid already. Like I just I need them to be like one little family. Uh, and I just, I, I, I need more of it. It's just so nice. It's the best. It's just so nice. When you think about too, like in the big, again, reflecting on, you know, 10 seasons of fire and how far Joe's come. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about where Joe was when we first met him in like seasons one, two, three, you know, like bachelor kind of caring for his brother, but like his brother was having issues and just like all the stuff he went through with Flacco and yada, 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 like mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then to see where he is now as like a, you know, mature adult who is married and now has not one kid, but two kids and just like has his shit together. It's just like the character development there is just, it's just kiss. It's a plus. It, and like, if you think about it, Otis would be so proud of him. Yeah. Like so proud of him. And he would be the fun uncle and just like, yeah. 
all of that. Yeah, yeah. no, it's super proud of him. I love it so much. It oh, makes you're gonna me also- cry. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> it also makes me wonder. Uh, we never found out, uh, or maybe we did, and it's just been so many seasons. But you know, were were Joe's parents around when they were growing up? I don't remember. I don't think. I don't know. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if part of the reason why Joe is such a good dad and such a natural is because he kind of had to raise Leon to a certain degree. Yeah. I think regardless of whether his parents were, their parents were around or not, definitely uh, Cruz was like a parent to Leon a hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I, like I said, Joe didn't really seem to know, I guess my guess is it's not in the next couple of episodes, like when we'd see Kristen or Carlos back, Mm -hmm. but I hope it's soon because I just, any more of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah, just make sure, make sure you stick around once we're done and listen to the interview with Joe. Um, It's always fun to talk to him. Yeah. Always. He's a gem. So then we've also got Hakami and Gallo and the new paramedic, Emma. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So the end of the last episode, remember Hawkins was like, someone filed a complaint. They saw us making out. They don't like fun and couples with chemistry and like awesome things. So they reported us. Okay. So Violet's on the phone with Hawkins before shift and he's just explaining that there was an official complaint made and now he's waiting for a jury to decide his fate. A jury? Really? Is that necessary? Yep. Yeah. So it turns out that it can be a fireable offense. Good job there, Evan. Depending on the complaint. But yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, dear God. I was like, really? 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 This is why I'm a control freak. Okay. This is why. (laughs) It's because when somebody tells me it's not this, but then it turns out to be this, I'm like, see, see, really? Yeah. yeah. So he's totally chill about it. He's like, don't panic. It'll be fine. And she's doing exactly that. Because exactly. Violet. Because Violet. Yep. She's, she's like, well, no, it's a fireable offense. And I am panicking. I'm like, what are you doing? So Gallo comes over while she's on the phone. And, you know, it's obvious he wants to talk to her, but like the way she changes the conversation freaking violet i love her i know she she handled that like a champ yeah but like also gallo knows that you're you've got something going on with hawkins you don't owe him anything you're not responsible for how he feels have that conversation who cares no but i don't think she necessarily wants gallo all up in her business either he's a child he's a child so he's like i need to talk to you i need to talk to you but then kylie comes and grabs her and it's like hey chief needs you so all he wanted was to introduce her to her new partner. It wasn't like she thought she was in trouble and she was free- freaking out. She wasn't in trouble. She needed to meet her new partner, Emma Jacobs. So more about that in a minute. But they get called out to this accident and Hawkins arrives on the scene, which like, listen, we're always going to, we're always going to take extra Hawkins where he comes up, right? Again, I love though the fact that like pre-season 10, Never knew that paramedic field chiefs were a thing. We never saw one. Never. I just love that. Like now we see him all the time. He's on accident scenes because of course. And I'm just like, cool, man. I love, I mean, (laughs) not that I'm complaining, but no, yeah, no. Oh, Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Violet's ignoring Hawkins the whole time. And and she lets Emma kind of bring them up to speed on what's going on. Um, So Violet ends up having to call what we assume is her first DOA. I don't know if it's her first DOA. I feel like 
you know, she was PIC at, fuck, what firehouse was that? 20? Yeah, 20. Okay. Um, like, she was PIC there. Like, I don't assume it's her first DOA, but I think you could definitely tell whatever was about this DOA, it, mm-hmm. like, shook her to her core because she definitely looks, like, shaken when she calls it. And, like, the look on Hawkins' face when Violet calls the DOA because he obviously wants to say something and, like, comfort her, but knows he can't because now they have to be super careful. Like, oh, kill me. And this was a particularly violent accident. Um, right. The car was shorn in half. I'm not exaggerating. The car was shorn in half. Right. Which we'll get to that whole accident. We'll get to more of that when we get to the stellar ride of it all. But yeah, yeah, like it's just that moment where, because like I said, he sees that she's kind of shaken and upset by it and he wants to say something, but he can't because Mm -hmm. the job and the politics of it now, like he can't, but like he wants to. And it's just like those moments always kill me in any ship, any show. And I'm just like, oh, I know. killer and yeah he's like we gotta be careful like can't damn it so they get back in the ambo at med to go back to 51 and violet's just like yeah that case was really heavy and emma's just like what huh oh yeah whatever like crazy okay um and then she has the audacity to ask violet about hawkins excuse you ma'am you just got here yeah i already uh... we'll get to more of her by the end i like i do want to we'll let her finish her storyline i guess but like I'm already just not stay in your lane please and thank you I'm not her biggest fan no me neither me neither we'll get to her we'll get to more of her but yeah stay in your lane so then at the end of shift Gallo and Ritter are talking to Emma in the locker room and I love how the minute there's a new medic they always have to like vet the person and the first thing they ask about in them is like what made you want to become a medic that's with anyone though. It was like firefighter, any of them. They yeah. all have to add them like what I mean, yeah, I guess that's one of the first questions I would ask too if I was getting to know someone, but like I don't know. It just always seems weird whenever it comes from them. I don't know. I I, I like knowing the story. Sometimes it's really heartfelt and other times it's just kind of like, oh, like what Emma says here. Um, yeah. but she said she's like, I studied to become a doctor, but I decided the thrill of ambulance life was a lot better than the inside of any hospital. Okay. Yeah. Well, so she's definitely an adrenaline junkie. All right whatever cool so then emma leaves violet comes in and gallo's about to say something to her but then they get interrupted by stella which i don't mind the interruptions here i'm like no keep that man away from her he's being annoying i'm I'm curious we'll we'll get there i have something i want to ask you but we'll get there okay so then evan comes over to violet's place after shift and he's like listen all i got was a verbal warning warning but i'm going to be under a microscope from now on and then this happens the kiss isn't the real issue I seemed more concerned with how much time and attention I'd been giving you. Covering full shifts on Ambo, popping by the firehouse as often as I do. Mm. You know, basically all the stuff that annoys Gallo. <laughs> Wait, was the kiss even mentioned in the complaint? I do not know. I'm not allowed to see it. So is there a chance that Rigetti isn't the one who filed the complaint? And maybe... It was Scallo. You know him better than I do, but whoever it was, this is obviously becoming a problem. Violet, I think we need to take a step back from us. Just some time apart. Evan Hawkins, 
I am so mad at you right now. I'm mad, of course, obviously. Hakami is now on a break. I don't like them being on a break, of course. But, like, I don't think it was... I think deep down, even though he doesn't say it, like, I think he did it because he wants to make sure that she's going to be... Like, nothing's going to end up happening to Violet and Violet's career. Yeah. Like, this isn't like, a, I'm not into you. You know, we should take a break or whatever. He's like, no, like, clearly we we are all under a microscope and I don't want that to then affect Violet's, you know, way up the ladder or whatever she wants from her career. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want that to affect her. So, like, I think it's best just for right now if we, like, take a step back. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the also minute nobody he said wants it, to take a step back. Yeah, the minute he said it, I was like, oh, no. Like, it's been our worst nightmare the whole season. Yeah, I like said I prepared for myself for I was trying I was like, okay, they're de- it's definitely a breakups coming from this. And it was not as it was still nowhere. It, even though I was prepared for it. I was still like, no, I was like, fuck, I know, because we didn't have a promo, of course. So like the promo came out after we had already seen this episode. So we were just in it like we just saw it and nobody we didn't know it was coming. And we were just like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. pretty much, pretty much. So then the next shift, I mean, this is just like the whole episode is like Violet and the horrible, no good, very bad day. Like (laughs) poor thing. So the next day Gallo tries to talk to her. She keeps ignoring him. And before she can actually get into it, like, you know, before she can get into like the whole, I basically know what you did. um, They get called out for another kind of violent and gruesome call. And this time it's a beer league hockey team. Awesome drunk hockey players that's not dangerous at all nope so these two guys who are injured are like very injured their faces are just like broken and contorted in horrible ways and emma has absolutely no filter none all that happens she just has no filter no nope. which like i she, respect but to a certain degree it's i i think there's a difference between no filter and like lying to people and like i think it should be somewhere in between like you know, at one point, Violet, the guy was like with the broken nose, is like, is it broken? And Violet's like, yeah. And he's like, she's like, oh man, like, yeah, it's really bad. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So then they get back from the call. Violet finally gives in to Gallo and she just lays it out for him. How could you do that? Do what? Vi- what's going on with you? I know it was you that outed my relationship with Hawkins to the brass. Are you serious? You made it very clear that you were not a big fan of me and him. Who else would it have been? Stop. Rigetti was at Molly's the other night, and he was telling everyone that he saw you two kissing at men. Wait, what? Who did he tell? Anyone that would listen. And I told him if he kept spreading rumors about you, I'd lay him out, but I was too late. That's what you were trying to tell me. Yeah. I wanted you to know he'd already filed a complaint. Like, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. I just thought because of the way you acted before that it had you. No, what to- no matter the way I've acted, overprotective, jealous, whatever you want to call it, I, I would never do anything to hurt you. You're one of my closest friends, Violet. I mean, I thought you were. Okay. I'm curious. I want to know 
your thoughts like does this change any of your thoughts about Gallo for the last couple episodes like what did like what are you what were you feeling after this doesn't change anything I had a feeling he wasn't the one who gave them up it would have been too obvious and that would have been out of out of character for Gallo but at the same time you are a 25 year old man act like an adult don't act like a petulant child and be all jealous and throwing temper tantrums I didn't change a thing wow too harsh I mean, if that's how you feel, I just, uh, listen, I don't think, I don't think this, I listen, I don't think, first of all, I don't think it was ever going to be Gallo. That just seemed a little too obvious, Mm -hmm. right? Like it was never going to be Gallo. It was always forgetty. Like it, that made sense. I also don't think it excuses the way that Gallo acted towards Violet. It didn't excuse his slut shaming. It doesn't excuse the way that he treated Hawkins when Hawkins was just a guest at 51. Like, I don't think it excuses any of that. But I think deep down, and like I said, I I still think they're kind of, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Gallo this year. And I still don't really know. But like, I did make me, I guess, feel like, my little cinnamon roll was still there a little bit when he was like, you know, listen, he's like, no matter the way I've acted for protective jealous, or whatever, he was like, I would never do anything to hurt you. And he's like, you know, like I just, that moment I was like, okay. I was like, he's still in there a little bit. I don't know what's happening otherwise, but I was like, okay, he's still in there a little bit. Mm. The whole reason he's been a jealous little bitch the whole time is because he loves Violet, right? Like that, didn't change but here's the thing and, I, and we've talked about this so I don't feel like we should like nail the you know go too crazy into it but like it's, at this point I'm like does he love her or does he just want her because he can't have her but like regardless and I don't think that excuses anything that he's done you know the way he acted towards Violet earlier or the way he acted towards Hawkins I don't think this should excuse any of that mm-hmm. but like I also think it was a little you know I I did it just at least appreciate the fact that it was like okay I think the Blake Gallo that we fell in love with back in season eight and nine, like it's still in there somewhere. I I guess I'm just a cold hearted bitch. Cause I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm also just like, no, he's still a cinnamon roll, but he's also being an asshole and it's possible to be both. No, it's definitely possible to be both. But I also think that now it's Violet's turn to apologize because I don't think it was right of her to just assume that Gallo did it without asking him either. No, she does owe him an apology and she did apologize, but in her defense, she is so frazzled by everything that's going on right now that like she, you know, she was trying to take control of something that she had no control over. Right, no, and it just so happened that she lashed out at Gallo. Right. No, I agree. And I think, I think she was right to think that maybe it was Gallo. I, I think she was right to even confront him about it and ask him about it, but to just assume that like he did it without asking him about it, I think was also a little harsh too. Okay. But say he is the one who, who did it. Does he come clean when Violet asks him? That's an interesting question. I don't think he does. No, but I think then that would be, make it obvious that he did because I can't imagine that Gallo's a great uh, liar. I don't know. I think she would, I think he would have lied about it and she would have known that that was, he, that he did it. Yeah. But we don't have to think about that because that didn't happen. But no, no but um, I just, I hate how like he, he, like you were saying, he went from being a total cinnamon roll to like everything he does now. I'm like, that's not cute. Like, I think the thing that also, I, I again, I don't want to say made me, hope like I, the thing that I guess appreciate it is like this kind of felt like the final like 
okay, we are definitely Violet and Gallo, right? That is not a thing, like romantically. Like this is like, I felt like this was like the nail in the coffin on that. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. Right, like this felt like the nail in the coffin to like, okay, we're, cause like, I feel like now Violet almost has to fight for their friendship after mm-hmm. this in some ways, because like clearly feels very hurt by the way that she just accused him. And like I said, d- it doesn't excuse the way he acted towards her and Hawkins, but like he's obviously, that was also hurtful to what Violet did. And so I think now she has to be the one to like kind of fight for their friendship if that's what she wants, but mm-hmm. you know, if whatever, but so this just very much felt like, okay, they are definitely, this is not a Violet and Gallo romantic thing. That's not, that is, this was the nail on the coffin to that. See, and if I'm Violet, I'm really skittish about fighting for the friendship. Why? Um, because I'm going to worry that if I'm trying to earn his trust back as a friend, he's going to overlook the friend part and be like, oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Interesting. I think, I don't know. I think it just depends on the way it's approached and the way I think Gallo could maybe, of course, think that because it's Gallo, but like, um, I don't know. I think, I think Gallo realizes that like Violet is not into him. And I, I would hope that Violet or Gallo took this as like, Violet clearly very much cares about someone else that's not him. Not saying she doesn't care about him as a friend, but like in romantic sense, like she is not, that is not where we're at. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. But <sighs> also, like I, said, I just it is... appreciated the emphasis on the friendship. Yeah. Yeah. It is cute that he calls her Vi. That's cute. Yeah. Um, so later on that night at Molly's, Gallo's drunk. He's drowning his sorrows, which like, I feel you. That's fine. Um, he wants another drink. And it just so happens that Emma brings him another one before he even asks. So there's like a moment. She like touches his arm as she like goes to the bathroom. Okay, look, if we're going there, that's fine. Yeah, I guess they're testing it out. But like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like her. I'm just gonna say it. I don't, I mean, I don't hate yeah. her. She's not like, my, you know, whatever. But like, to me, I just... I feel like they, I, you know, I, the idea is clearly not to make her a part, a permanent part of the firehouse. Like that vibe I definitely got. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like, I think Kara will be back eventually or whatever, but like, she just, Emma just doesn't seem like warm at all. And I was just kind of like, okay, like you, whatever. All you had to do was demote Hawkins. Huh? I'm like, all they had to do was demote Hawkins. We honestly, oh, did not I got you. Emma. I got you. We I didn't need Emma. Yeah. But I mean, I think too, I think the idea is that for Emma to help move on, like help, help aid the moving on from Gallo and Violet as like, or the idea of Gallo and Violet romantically. Like, and if I think if it helps Gallo move on from Violet, then I'm totally here for that. But like, you know, and I can work with her for that. I just, I don't know. I just didn't get like anything. Like I'm not going to be attached to her at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And like, I will not I, you know we'll see I guess you know never say never but like we're gonna save this clip and then revisit it in about three years when like Caitlin Carver's become a regular and then we're gonna be like oh how wrong we were yeah I, yeah um but I will say I just I don't know I just didn't get like warm vibes and I get that's the point right they're trying to establish to an emphasis on how different she is from Violet mm-hmm. and especially even to more so from Brett but like I don't know I just didn't feel like it worked no me neither me neither. Personally. I just, I like when, when Bowden introduced her, I was just kind of like, I don't really have the capacity to get to know a new character right now. She like, just kind of seems like a female version of 
not, like almost like a more female subdued version of Macaulay in some yeah. ways. And I was just like, I don't need, I don't know. I just like, I'm not saying I need her to be like the most empathetic, caring person ever, but like, I don't know. I just didn't care. Like, I just, yeah. I really didn't care. And like, even her touch with Gallo, I was like, the only reason I care about them potentially going down that road is to further the divide between Violet and Gallo so we can have Hakami and then we can have Gallo, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason I care about a potential Gallo Emma thing, which also isn't fair, but like, that's the reason I care. Yeah, when they had that moment with each other, I was like, fine, go hook up, go make out, get your mind, uh, get your mind off Violet, get your mind off Hawkins, go distract each other from like messing with those two. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. yeah. So then Violet's about to head out the door to go to Molly's and she opens her door and it's like, it's like Dossie in 208 when like she opens the door and like Evan's there. Ugh. And then we have this. Uh, you know, hovering around my apartment isn't exactly keeping a distance. Well, that's subjective. Mm, no, it's really not. Fair. Um, turns out staying away, that's not so easy. Seems impossible even. Violet. Why do I miss you so much when I'm not with you? Maybe because we're not supposed to be apart. There they go again with their chemistry. I love them so much. I know. And the amount of times I've watched a scene, which you guys know I do a lot, it's just ridiculous. I just, I love, I love this. I love. I love the fact that I, I don't even think this is, I wouldn't say this is even them getting back together because I don't think it is. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. guess we'll see what happens. But like, I love the fact that they just, like, I think it's clear now that like what they had wasn't just, it's not just chemistry. I mean, which of course they have chemistry and passion and whatever and attract physical attraction in spades. But I think this made it clear with the scene and the fact that like Hawkins can't just stay away that like, it's more than that. Yeah. That like, there's something about her. He just, like he says, he's like, you know, like, why do I miss you so much when I'm not with you? And I'm just like, oh, I die. That's hot. <laughs> I die. I die. And I, yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah. I just, I'm very, I'm very excited. I, I, this was not what I thought I was telling um Lizzie because I, I just had to talk about it with somebody and you hadn't watched it yet. So I was <laughs> talking to Lizzie about it. Like, this is not what I thought. And I thought, like, I don't still even want to get my hopes up because I don't want to just, like, be disappointed. But, like, you know, I just, I, I, I'm just, I'm here for it. And I think it makes me feel like they're really leaning into, like, the seriousness of it. Um, but, I, which I love, of course, but, like, mm-hmm. I just, I'm curious to see where this is really going to go. Yeah. Yeah. My, my favorite thing that was said in our fire portion of one Chicago day was when Hanako basically was like, I just love that Hawkins loves everything about her. Like everything that makes her, her, he loves that. I really haven't stopped, which sounds crazy. I really haven't stopped thinking about that since she said it. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, like I think it, and I think this just made it clear, like, right. Like, I think it was very obvious from the beginning that like, at first it was definitely 
like a attractive, you know, attraction physically, uh, chemi- the chemistry obviously was off the charts and there was something there. But I think the more time that we've spent with them, the more time we've realized, like, it's not just that, like, there is something they really like each other. Mm-hmm. And like he said, he's like, you know, like, why can't I stop missing you when I'm not with you? And I'm just like, Oof. yeah, I yeah. know. Oh man. It just, and it like that moment too, like they've had so many great kind of big romantic moments without even them being that big and romantic or big, you know, in scheme. And I was just like thinking, it was like, oh man, and we're not there yet. And I know we're not there yet, but I was, it got me thinking, I was like, when they, whenever they decide to drop the L word, I was like, oh man, it's going to be a moment. I thought this was going to be it. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're on their way there. I don't think they're there yet though. Yes, please. But like, that's going to be, we're all going to die. Oh my God. I know. We are all going to die when that Mm -hmm. happens. Yep. We're manifesting. Yeah. I'm manifesting that he's sticking around long enough for it to happen. So it's fine. But like, yeah. For Hakami, I love you. Yeah. For life. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's a moment. It's going to be a moment. Why do I miss you so much when I'm not with you? With oh, you. Maybe because oh. we're not supposed to be apart. Oh, I know. I Almost die. as good as you're the bait of my existence and the object of all my desires. Almost. How many, like, vi- or how commie romantic moments have we had? Like a bunch. A bunch. Also depends on what you count as a romantic moment. I mean, do you count the flirty moments as romantic moments? Because, like, that stuff with her appendix burst and they were in the hospital was adorable. No, I wouldn't count that as romantic, though. And then the Ambo scene, also hilarious. Yeah. And adorable. They've just had uh, the best moments. Yeah. Because really the chemistry is insane. We've really been blessed. The and first kiss to... up against the glass? Holy oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Yep, we will co-captain the Hakami ship forever. Forever. Ever. Forever. Ever. Ever. Even though I think Jimmy's the real captain. I was gonna like, say, I was gonna say, I think we have to take like second lieutenants because there's Jimmy and Hanako. And then there's us. Fine with me. Fine with me. Fine yeah. with me. Yeah. We just got their backs. So we're like so, yeah, we're like third and fourth captain. We're like, you guys do your thing, we got your back. Yeah. Got your back. Yeah. Yep. We'll be the ones to be like, iceberg, right ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, stay away. Yeah, stay away. Clear. Oh man. All right. So we also got the stellar rides. This one was pretty powerful. I like this. I love lot. this. Yeah. yeah. I liked a lot of things about this. Go ahead. Okay. So their storyline starts with this crash that we've been like teasing for the whole fire portion. So all of 51 gets called to this car crash where like Gina said, the car was going so fast that basically like it literally split in half when it crashed. This actually, right down the middle. this actually happened to yes. a former U.S. soccer player. Yeah, I know it's happened. You know, I know it can happen, but mm-hmm. like it literally split in half. Yeah. So squad's working on getting the driver and the front passenger out and like truck is off to look for the other half because they don't know where it went. And they're not even close. Yeah. So they end up finding it and somehow the girl in the back half is still alive and like conscious. Don't understand, but she is. Um, and she's going to end up being okay. And like, so will the driver, but the passenger is DOA as we alluded to, because Violet is the one that caught it. Mm -hmm. So while they're focused on trying to get the 
pat to the passenger the driver ends up fleeing the scene okay wait 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 wait. we got to talk about this okay because they, they made this so obvious right the guy's in the chair emma's looking at him and hawkins and emma walk away and the guy's pretty much in focus like between yeah. their heads i was yep. like nobody wants to like strap and then- in well, and then of course Watching. they like move the camera to like show the what the other side of the crash or whatever the other people on the other side. And then by the time they turn back and Hawkins is like, where'd he go? It's like, oh man, like obviously. And Emma's just like, I don't know. <laughs> because she's Emma. And I'm just like, fuck. A little mm. more sense of urgency there, peeps. Yeah. So PD shows up on the scene and I love how everyone thought this was going to be Haley and it is not Haley at all. Like it is no one even from intelligence, which I like, know them. No, I, I hate when funny. they do that. I'm like, show us somebody we know. I don't care about this cop. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, these are the moments where you're like, oh, we could definitely make this happen. But then like, I get it. Filming just schedules wise don't always work. Like they can't always use intelligence members, but mm-hmm. like they would work so well if they could. Um, but so anyway, PD shows up and mentions like the car was registered to the guy who's DOA. And it's they like, it doesn't seem like it was a DUI. Nobody had reason to believe the driver would vote. So like, they got to try to figure out like what happened, like what is going on. So Stella tells the P, uh, police officer that like the girl did it, but med and he's like, okay, I'll go talk to her or whatever. So they get back to 51 and Stella is showing Mason where she keeps her webbing, which is a little Casey reference, which I love, of course. I love that Mason was like, Lieutenant, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm loving like just the level of respect that Mason has for Stella. Like, I love how serious he takes it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Mason. Mm -hmm. I want more of Mason. I I love him. Yeah, Um, please. And so when she's showing him this, she finds a receipt in her pocket and it's not what she recognizes, but she goes to talk to Severide about it. And he tells her that the cop told him that like the girl from the accident, like can't remember how the accident happened. Like she, you know, I guess hit her head too hard. Like, I don't, you know, she -hmm. just can't remember. So she stows Severide the receipt from the bank ATM and they like wonder, they start to think like, okay, well maybe the girl put it in there. They don't, you know, they don't really know. So Stella goes by the hospital to see the girl whose name is Adriana and asks her a few questions. But Adriana's like, well, the receipt's not mine. And like, I don't know how the two guys knew each other. And, you know, she's like very cagey about everything. Like she, you know, keeps kind of, she'll say something and then she like second guesses herself. It just, mm-hmm. it, it seems very suspicious. So Stella leaves pretty quick, but like I said, Stella knows that something's not right there. So she gets back to 51 and Stella asks Violet about like how long a bruise can, you know, it takes a bruise to fade. And Violet's like, well, like, you know, it takes about two or three days for it to turn that purple color. But like, of course, that can obviously depend on the person. Mm-hmm. So she takes her suspicions to Severide and he's not like totally believing. He's not like questioning her, but he's like, I, you know, like, are you sure this bruise is irrelevant? Like, it, you know, because she St- Stella noticed one on Adriana's neck. Mm-hmm. And so Severide's just like, are you sure this bruise is relevant? Like, it could have been from anything. And she's like, no, it couldn't. She's like, that's the kind of bruise you get when, you know, like when someone's trying to choke you out. And she's just like, yeah, my ex. And it, and Severide's just like, okay, well, it sounds like we got to take it to the police. Oh, man. Yeah, this, Severide, like, handled this so well. I, I was going to say, I thought Severide handled it like a champ. Um, because obviously of course, and we kind of get a little more of it later, like 
them talking about Stella's past. Like, of course, I think it's important for them to eventually talk more about it. But in Mm -hmm. that moment, I like that Sever, I didn't immediately like push her into talking about it. Like he just seemed to like understand that like, he's like, okay, I got it. Like he was just so completely supportive. Like I just, I, I like that. Yeah. He was like, this is what happened. This is what we do. Yeah. And like, he didn't even, I don't know. He didn't like, he didn't voice any opinion on it. Like he, he was just like, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry you went through that. He was just like, okay, like that's your instinct. We're going with it. Like I said, I think it's important later on, even if whether or not we see it, that of course they have a conversation about it, like something deeper with more details and whatever for their relationship shake. But like in that moment, that's not what was needed. And Mm -hmm. like, he just seemed to get that. And he just like, was like, okay, like in a very supportive way, he was just like, okay, I got it. And I think that's the kind of thing that like, that's a conversation they would have in that white space, but I'm kind of glad we don't see it. Right. That's probably a part of Stella that is hard for her to share with other people. Right. I think, but I think the thing though, and like, at least coming from the fan perspective and like, we can get there a little bit more at the end because Stella does get into it a little bit more is that like, while we know some of her history with Grant, like we really haven't touched on it since basically like Grant got locked up. So like (laughs) in five seasons now, and I just wish that we would get a little more Stella backstory every now and then. So I was, I, I, while I appreciated this moment and like or these moments in this episode in the storyline and like I just wish as like a fan who wants more Stella backstory that we would have seen a conversation between them about it but that's just because I want more Stella backstory yeah but yep anyway so they take the receipt to the police officer and he's like you know was there cash or you know in the car or on the victims and we're like well no um but it obviously this receipt still seems like it's worth you know something to look into and he's like yeah of course he's like we couldn't pull any prints in the car so you know from the scene so this is really all we've got so next shift the officer stops by and fills in Severide and Stella and Bowden on like what they found so basically apparently the bank account belonged to the passenger the guy who's DOA and he made three withdrawals of like the max amount that morning within like an hour of each other and so according to security cam footage like the driver was holding him at gunpoint while he was making with this, these withdrawals. So like, you know, we mm-hmm. kind of get some more context on like what happened and why, but we, there's still a little bit of it missing. Mm-hmm. So Stella decides to go talk to Adriana like one more time to see if she can remember just like anything. Look, Adriana, I can't say for sure what's going on here, but I do have a pretty good idea. I think that you do know the guy who was driving that car. I think you know him really well. I think that he is the kind of guy who likes to take people by the neck. And I get it. You're scared and you want to do the right thing. But slipping that receipt into my coat pocket, it's not enough. The cops, they want to know his name. But if you don't tell them before they figure out what your relationship really is, there's nothing anybody can do to help you. You don't understand.
It's hard turning in somebody that you once cared about. It feels like a betrayal, but God, he has already betrayed you. And he'll never stop until you take a stand. Come forward. I will do everything in my power to keep you safe. That's a promise. This is huge what Stella's doing. Huge. Yeah. yeah. I love this moment. I just I the the stuff that they have done with Stella this season is remarkable. Yeah, because I think two while obviously of course right like it was important for them to try to fill in as many details on the case too Mm -hmm. like there's just it Stella just has a different kind of leadership right like it just it was her being a leader because she cared about this girl and she didn't want to see the same thing happen that happened to her but like also then still professionally handling it within certain boundaries and it's just I don't know it just I was just really proud of Stella in this moment and like she created a safe space for Adriana. Right. Which is, which I mean that, yeah, it does go be above and beyond her job description, but that's huge to somebody on the other side of that, right? She created a safe space where she trusted with, Stella and she was okay with divulging secrets. Without, she created a safe space without getting, like without blurring the lines too, right? Yeah. Without blurring the lines of, because I think in those moments, it's very hard. It's very easy, I think, to get attached and to like, be like, okay, I've created the safe space for you, but like I've then jeopardized the job or I've jeopardized the case or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the situation is. But like she did that without, you know, really crossing a boundary of any kind. And I think that's just part of who Stella is. Like Stella is very trusting and very, or very, and very trustable and very just like, I, I would imagine, I, I don't think I would have any problem just like opening up to Stella, even if she was a complete stranger to me. Um, and she did for Adriana what she wishes somebody would have done, done for, her. for her. Yeah. 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 That's big. Yeah. So Adriana does end up taking Stella up on her offer to come by and she does and, you know, tells her everything. And she's like, you know, the driver's name is Tiller. And she's like, I had no idea what he was planning. He just got this crazy idea to just keep taking money out. And when he saw how much was in the accounts, he like wanted to hold the other guy overnight so we could do it the next day, you know, whatever. Like I said, she tells Stella everything. And so Stella goes with her to talk to the police officer the next day. And he's like, you know, we've got the guy in custody. Thanks to your tip. And Stella's like, well, I just want to make sure she'll be protected and like kept in the loop on like what's happening with Tiller's case. Cause she's like, you know, just because he's arrested doesn't mean that like he won't get out on, you know, early or early release or he'll be on parole or, you know, nothing will happen. Like you don't know that like just because he's in custody now doesn't mean he'll always be in custody. And so, like, he's like, yeah, I have no problem keeping her in, you know, in the loop as long as she keeps up her end of the bargain, which. It's interesting what Stella said here about, like, how you have to keep her in the loop, because this is something on the police side that they don't think about. They just think, like, once the guy's away, they just move on. Yeah. But they have no idea how it is for the abuse survivor. Yeah. I don't trust CPD to keep after it, like, to keep the keep her tight in. I don't trust no. it at all. No, but like, I mean, at that point though, like at some point you have to say like, 
yes. Like it is either like you trust him or you don't, you know, like you can't just assume that he's not going to be trustworthy. You know, mm-hmm. you have to take his word as like it is. Um, but anyway, so later that night, Stella fills stuff right in on like what happened with Adriana and Tiller. And they just have like a little moment on the couch. I got admit for a while there. I was worried you were walking a fine line. But you knew exactly what you were doing. You should be happy. This is the best possible outcome. I mean, tell that to Adriana. She still has to live with the scars. The constant worry of something going wrong and him walking free. Stella. You did all you could do. And you did good. I love this too. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought everything about it worked. Like I said, I, I liked how the whole time Severide was supportive of her without actually, like without even saying like, I support you or like whatever you need. Like, he just was like it's just they're at that point in their relationship where like she knows that like he's there if she wants to talk about it he's there if you know she needs to him to say the words like you like I support you or whatever but like he doesn't have to no no and And that's what I really love about this and he he hyped her up he boosted her up he supported her the whole way that's exactly what a good partner does. And I mean, I, I love the way he closed it. He said, you did all you could do. You did good. You did it. You did good. You did enough. You did yeah. more than enough. So, I mean, and just the trust that he has in her, that he's like, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Like, you know, you're in a healthy relationship when. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I loved everything about this moment. For sure. For sure. Any other notes on fire? I, I really enjoyed, I really, I really enjoy, I, there's not been an episode, well, I'll, not at all this season, but I've really enjoyed these last string of episodes. Mm-hmm. I've really, there's not been one that I haven't liked. Yeah. Really strong. I've really enjoyed this last run of episodes. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I like, don't want to talk about PD. We have to talk about PD. Oh man. I know. The thing about PD though, and I don't know how you felt about it. I was really enjoying PD up until those last like three minutes. I thought it was really good. I was like, and even, and that's kind of what makes those last like few minutes kind of jarring is that like up until that point, I kind of thought this was the episode we wanted and then it wasn't. Yeah. I, all I feel is rage, like (laughs) uncontrollable rage. I really liked it up until the last like little bit because i thought this was the episode we wanted and then it wasn't yeah and and honestly that ending ruined it all for me i was like why did you just waste my time for 45 minutes if you were just gonna do that even okay well we'll save it till we get there i, I know. We, we gotta save it for when we get there stretch i know stretch although it's not as bad because we're recording this in the afternoon so it's not like the it's not like 10 o'clock at night my it's time. not like 10 o'clock at night my time and i'm not like dying of like tiredness okay all right so we start off adam is just getting home from shift and it's relatively early but michaela's on a new schedule because like they've been seeing a therapist after the abduction and they're trying to get her in a new routine basically and so kim and michaela have already eaten dinner as part of her new schedule and like 
he's or it's i don't even get the vibe that like he told her i think he he was expect or she she told him i think she was he's just supposed to know no she mentions a comment of like well you know we said you know we said six or whatever and he but then he's like well why didn't you just text me and remind me or whatever you know so i think he knew or you know i don't know if he knew but I, that's the vibe i got is that he was supposed to know but then you know i'm like know. i'm so fed up with these two right now it just just yeah i'm so fed up with them yeah so then adam's like well kim we have to communicate like the therapist said we have to talk about what happened to us when kayla was kidnapped and kim was like i'm just tired whatever and they like literally we're like two seconds into this episode and kim is like can we please not do this right now what do you expect him to do kim he is jumping through every single hoop he is doing every single thing on this obstacle course you have laid in front of him and it's never enough for you what else is he supposed to do yep you said it all i'm just like yep we've had days to like ruminate on these fields so they're just like they're they're ready to go so adam's like you know what i'm not putting up with this which like good for you adam like set some boundaries i mean good for you so he's like i'm just gonna go out to eat so he goes to like eat and play some cards with like some friends or i i don't know who these people are but I don't know who these people are, and I don't know understand why we were talking about this on our Patreon Happy Hour of the Night. Like, it's like PD has forgotten that Molly's exists, and I'm mad about it. Yeah, that, and I think there, there's an interesting parallel to be drawn here too, right? Like, I there interesting parallel in that. Like, remember how Voight used to have a social club? Yes. This now is kind Adam of has one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't know. I just makes me mad that like you set up this whole thing and like Molly's is supposed to be the place where like the characters from all the shows get together. And like, that's the reason we all know, but like, why, like why we literally haven't seen Molly's on PD. I want to say in like seasons. Yeah, no, that's true. That's completely true. I just, I don't understand. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And so his friends are giving him crap. They're like, no, you screwed up. And like, Adam's like, no, I'm, I'm the victim here. Like what the hell? Like, yeah. So somebody interrupts and is like, Hey, Adam, you have a visitor. Turns out it's an old teacher from his high school. I have questions about how an old teacher from Adam's high school knew, knew to that find he was going to be at this bar. bar. Yeah. I have questions. Like, I'm I know, they kind of just like sweep that under the rug. But like, like, did Adam post it on his Instagram story or something? And like, that's how the guy knew. Like, how does he know that he's there tonight of all nights? Are you friends with old teachers on Instagram? On Instagram? No, but that's just because I don't think any of my teachers are, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. So I have my my high school French teacher I'm still friends with and my middle school choir teacher. We're, we're Facebook friends. Um, and they'll write like happy birthday, like on my birthday and things like that. But that's as far as we go. I think I follow my middle school choir teacher on Instagram, but she like doesn't post anything. Oh, I'm friends with like, all of my high school. I think it's also too because like Facebook was a thing when I was in high school and like mm-hmm. graduated high school. And so I think for me, like it was just a lot more common. It's like, oh, as soon as you graduate, like of course you find all your teachers on Facebook, like all the teachers or whatever. And like some of them, it's more just like happy birthdays or whatever. But like some of them I still keep I'm still pretty close with. Um one or two of them for sure. Um but yeah. So like my they they wouldn't know where to find me like if I like, no no I no but that's what I'm saying I wonder if it's just like the only reason that would make sense is like Adam posted it on his Instagram story that like hey I'm at 
whatever bar, you know, or like it's like a picture of his food and like the tag. And the tag. The bar. <laughs> like, and so the guy then saw it and it was like, oh, Adam's there tonight. Okay. You know, is Adam even on Instagram? <laughs> That's a great question. What is Adam? Is Adam on Instagram? And if so, what does this Instagram feed look like? I mean, if he's on Instagram, it's the occasional pic of Michaela and Kim, but it's selfies and they're bad selfies too. Like, I was going to say, I feel like Adam's one of those people who like, is that he's definitely on Instagram, but like, didn't use it for a long time. Like I want to say until Michaela came into his life, he probably was like one of those people who never posted a picture on his feed for like years. He would just <laughs> use stories. And then Michaela came in his life. And now all of a sudden he's like that person who posts like all the pictures of Michaela. <laughs> maybe, maybe I could see his Instagram being a mix of like, Maybe take Taylor Kinney's actual real life feed and like Beyonce's <laughs> feed. And it's just random ass pictures with absolutely no caption. I was going to say, I don't know what Beyonce's feed looks like. But oh, she I know posts random, ta- act, random pictures with no captions. I was going to say, I know what Taylor's feed looks like. And it is random, random. and a lot of fail videos. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fail videos. A lot of fail videos. Um, he totally Yeah, posted- I don't know. He posted a picture with an address in it the other day. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, Taylor, Taylor. what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what are you? You're clearly not in Chicago, but like, but also okay. like, who gets a package and like their first instinct is to hold it up to the camera and post it online. I don't know. I don't no. know. Yeah. Here's Beyonce's feed. It's just like her address, no caption. Okay. But at least they're pictures of her. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'm not saying you have to post captions on any of your pictures, but like, and I thought you made by random pictures. It's like, oh, look, this tree, random photo, no, whatever. Cause that's more the vibe I take from Adam. Is it be like, oh, look, this tree, click, let me post it on my Instagram. <laughs> like, and that, and then a combination of t- Taylor Kitty. Cause I could also see Adam posting all the random like fail videos and whatever too that he finds yeah. on the internet. Yeah. It's funny. So the, he sits down with the old teacher and asks about his daughter, Olivia, but things are not good. So Olivia got, she got injured in hockey and now she's addicted to pain pills and she's been missing for two months. So Adam's like, okay, listen, I can't promise you anything, but I'm going to look into it. So Adam goes back to the bullpen. He remember he like was supposed to go back home to Kim and Michaela. Didn't, didn't things must be really bad. If you're going from the bar to work at midnight on a weeknight. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, like trying not to be too harsh on Kim here, but oh, you are, you've already hit it. It's fine. Damn it. I'm going to try really hard, but like Gina's mad. Okay. So, um, Adam goes back to the bullpen, starts calling the list of Olivia's friends and Platt comes upstairs and she helps him out by figuring out some parking tickets that Olivia had. Like she, she wasn't like, she didn't like go missing. She's been coming and going. She's just been kind of like under the radar. So he goes to her dorm to investigate it. And when he gets inside, he like, this is like the college dorm of horrors, man. Okay. So he, he's, he's been inside for like two seconds, right? And it's like a haunted house. This drunk guy comes stumbling out of the bathroom with a ginormous gash in his head. He stumbles over into a room and it just happens to be a room where Olivia and another guy are both ODing. Okay. So the kids go to med 
and a detective from narcotics shows up and he's been tracking Olivia for a while because he thinks she's a delivery girl for a guy named Wade who deals counterfeit oxy on campus. And if any of the shit went down at my alma mater, I had no idea. No idea. Oh, it definitely did not go down. Well, mm, no, definitely did not go down, but yeah. My God. Okay. So then Voight shows up and Adam fills him in. And so she's just, he's just like, listen, I can't feed her to narcotics because then she'll never get out. And so Voight's like, well, first of all, you should have called me, but second of all, fine, we'll take the case. (laughs) Cool. So the next morning, everyone's in the bullpen. They get to work. There is that moment where Kim's like, you never came home last night. Yeah, because he caught a case. Like, yep. what do you want? What do you want? That's it. So Wade is a very smart dealer, is what we learned. And he's also extremely paranoid. So his number two the previous year got pinched and tried to give him up. And like, he died pretty much, right? Yeah, Wade ended up having him killed. Yeah, yeah. Extremely paranoid. So they're like, okay, we're going to put Olivia in play, but we're going to keep her safe. So Adam goes down to the holding cell to talk to her. And at first she's like, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. But then Adam uses the family card and convinces her. And he said, he's like, I just want to keep you out of prison so I can take you home to your parents. Like, I don't care if you're high when you get there. Um, And they compromise. Yeah. So Adam goes back to Voight, fills him in on what he learned. And apparently it took Wade two months to warm up to Olivia and for her to gain his trust. Um. he's had people follow her home before. Like he's very, very paranoid. And so because of that, Voight's like, okay, well, you better prepare for the long haul here. Like if you're going undercover, you're going undercover for a while. Like that's that. And he doesn't even run this by Kim. It is a no brainer. Um, Voight's just like, you know, it might take a while. If you don't want to do this, I can send somebody else in. He does not even think about it. He's like, no, we're good. Doesn't consult Kim. Just it's like, no, but he does have the moment. He like looks back at Kim thinks about it for one second and then he's like no we're good i can't help but think that like in that moment he's like she doesn't care what happens like she doesn't care no but i think he did think about michaela in that second though and he was like no like she's got kim so we're good like we're good maybe maybe so then jay helps adam get his undercover apartment set up and oh man is that place a shithole (laughs) uh yeah it's bad that that bed looks like a cardboard box Yep. Not good. So Adam gets a text from Olivia saying Wade's having some friends over that night. So Adam's like, all right, we'll go. He picks her up. She is not taking it seriously at all. She's cracking jokes, all that stuff. So they get to the party and split off and Ruzik sees Wade asking Olivia about Adam. So Wade gives her drugs and they split off. And so he basically tells Adam, yeah, he gives her drugs to kind of like occupy her. And then he's like, I want to see you on the roof in 10 minutes. So Adam checks on Olivia and covers up his feed to Burgess and Atwater so he can like actually really talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Wade had given her drugs. So what he gave her was an oxy sample that was cut with fentanyl. Um, but she's like, no, I'm good. Meanwhile, you know, it only takes about like the teeniest, tiniest little speck of fentanyl to like kill somebody. Yep. That, like, that's crazy. She's like, no, I'm fine. It's not that bad. And I'm like, what? 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 Yeah. It just takes the teeniest amount of fentanyl to like die. Seriously? That's just horrible. Yeah. But she's like, no, I'm good. I can totally do this. I can totally do this. And so Adam meets Wade on the roof. He's trying to make a deal with him. Now, Olivia's high as fuck. Okay. So she comes up and interrupts. 
and she's not doing too well. So Wade goes down to get her some water. She starts going on about her dad. And so she's like, yeah, my dad told me once that like you like helped a kid who was being bullied or something. Didn't she say something about like you robbed some something from my dad, like help a kid who was being bullied? Don't I I just remember her talking about the story about him, you know, helping the kid who wore a nickelback shirt every day from being bullied. <laughs> oh man, I missed the part about the kid in the nickelback shirt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she mentions she's like, you know, dad always liked those messed up hopeless ones. Like, I don't want to think about him. I don't want to think about him, but you came and you made me think about them, about what I did. And, you know, and Adam's just like, no, don't worry. Like you will have it again. It's going to be okay. So Wade comes back with water. Adam tries to get her to leave saying that they can do the deal later, but she refuses. She refuses. So then they're back in the undercover apartment. And this is like, I thought I, I was like, okay, good. We're on our way to like mending things. We weren't. We weren't. I, yeah. I no. thought so too. So Adam goes back to the undercover apartment and he and Kim are just like trading texts and they're sweet. Right. He's like, Hey, how's Mac? And she's just like, good. She misses your sorry ass scrambled eggs. Um, and he's like, oh, like, I'll make it up to her. Like, oh, how nice. A nice moment between the two of them. Yeah. Great. We're going to take it from here. Okay. So the next morning, Kim stops by to see Boyd and is like, you know, a parent backed out from picking Michaela up from school. And she's just like, you know, and she, Boyd's like, yeah, okay, do what you have to do. So he asks her, though, before she leaves about whether she's heard from Adam. And she's like, I have. He's like, apparently he's staying at the apartment. He's like, he thinks someone may have followed him there last night. So, like, you know, just to kind of play into things like he's going to stay low. So she leaves Wade's office and, like, gets a call from Adam, who tells her that Wade just texted him to meet in 20 minutes for what he thinks is, like, the real deal. And she's like, but Adam, we can't get there that fast. And Adam's like, well, I think I'll lose him if I don't go. So... He goes to meet Wade and Wade's like, okay, you got to give up your phone. And he's like, what? No. And he's like, okay, well, you got to give up your phone. And so Adam does reluctantly and follows Wade to some like secret location. And so of course he's followed Wade and like left the address that he gave Kim. So when Kim and Atwater show up to the scene, of course they can't find Adam. So it's like, oh fuck, this is not going to be good. Oh no. So Adam, Wade, and Olivia show up to some abandoned warehouse and like Wade has decided he's going to turn on Adam. He like pulls the gun on him. He has Olivia time up to pull because he thinks that he is a cop. And Adam is like, no, I'm not. I'm not a cop. I'm not a cop. So to prove so, Wade is like, I want to take you. I want you to take a sniff. And because Adam, of course, doesn't want to. And, you know, they play this whole thing of like, oh, well, I, you know, I can't do it anymore because of the job and yada, yada, yada. And Olivia's trying to play up the lie too. And so then Wade turns on Olivia and Adam doesn't like to see it. So he just takes a sniff. Adam does the drugs, right? Adam now. does the drugs. Yeah. I think Which- that's the first time we've ever seen one of our own, right? Except for maybe Antonio Him. one time. Antonio and Kim, um, when Nicole got raped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's very rare, though. Right. Um, so, obviously, big deal. So, Wade cuts him free, and he's like, okay, yeah, we'll do the deal, whatever. He's like, I'll be back in 10 minutes with the stuff, whatever. So, Adam is, like, not doing well, though. He is not doing well. He keeps going to the window for some air. He starts throwing up. He gives Olivia the keys to truck to, like, he's like, I've got Narcan in there, like, go. And he's like, you know, we got to fight. He's like, we're not dying here. He's like, go. So she leaves and he starts pressing the button on his radio because 
whatever radio thing he's got, like when they're in Kim and Kevin are in range, like they'll be able to hear him. And so they do end up hearing him because of course that at this point they're close and he just, he's going on. He's like, Kim, I hope you're close. Wade made me take the dope and it's a mixed powder. It's too much. He's like, I'm fading. This is where I'm at. He's like, I know this is being recorded. So tell Michaela that I love her and tell her she's lucky to have a mom as big you as a mom. And I was just like, oh my God. Tell Michaela I love her and she's lucky to have you as a mom. He is dying and she is the only thing he's thinking about. Yep. The two of them. That's it. He is literally dying. Yep. And that's the only thing on the brain. Not like tell my dad I love him. Not like tell my family I love them. Just Michaela and Kim. Yep. So Olivia goes to get the Narcan, but like Wade comes out and is like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like trying to play it off. But then of course, Wade finds Adam's police vest in the back. So he shoots Olivia and like intelligence rolls up just at the right time. And like, it's a whole thing. So basically- they take intelligence takes way down though kim rushes to find adam she gets narcan in just in time like adam's gonna be okay thank the god why the urgency if the episode was just gonna end the way it ended and then at this point though i was like okay this is the episode we had always wanted right like we had been saying for a while yeah we were like adam needs to get hurt or something happened to him for kim to realize like how important so even in the beginning when they're fighting and whatever and it doesn't seem like Kim cares. And then obviously she's realizing as she's seen Adam get hurt that like, oh, fuck, maybe I do care. I thought this was the, this is the episode we always wanted. Right. So I was yeah. like, at this point, I was like, oh, damn, this was great. I'm feeling good about it. And then, well, hold on. And then we got one more scene. So basically at med, Adam goes to see Olivia, who's like texting her dad. And she's like, are, she asks him, she's like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm going to be fine. And, you know, she talks about her parents being good parents. She just thanks Adam ultimately for finding her. And he's like, yeah, of course. So Adam goes back to his and Kim's place and says he needs to talk to her. And we get this scene. Disaster. Look, I'm sorry, Kim. I know things have been hard. I know that we're, you know. We're not us right now. I'm lying there dying and I'm thinking to myself, my God, this is how I'm going to go out. Everything broken. No. Mm-mm. Never again. I want to fix it. I want our family back to the way that it was. Me too. I know I disappointed you when she was taken. All right, maybe we start with just a schedule that works better for us. We keep talking, you know? The thing is, it's been working. This week, Michaela, she seemed better with me. I don't know what to do here, Adam. I don't know how to fix it. So we do what's best for her. I just don't understand. I want to yell and throw things. Go ahead, yell. What the fuck? I don't understand. I This came out of left field. Like I said, I thought we were getting the episode we always wanted. And then she's like, but actually, it was kind of a better week without you. Like, how how do you say that to somebody you allegedly love? That's how. Well, not even say that. How do you say that to someone you allegedly love? But like, how do you say that to someone you've agreed to be parents with? Yeah. 
Like, how do you say like, oh yeah, I know we agreed to be parents, but just kidding. This was a week. This week was better without you. Like that is so fucking harsh. It's harsh. It's mean, right? She, she's using like, not even that she's using it, but just like, she like dangles Michaela in front of him. Like, if you behave, you can spend time with us. He's right. not a puppy trying to be trained. He's not a toddler. But I feel like all of that was supposed to be left out the window when she agreed to be this modern family with him in whatever episode. Or I don't even, I'm trying to think about which episode it was. I don't remember the number, but like when they had that co- when they had that sit down talk in the um, kitchen at in the bullpen Mm -hmm. and they had that talk about they can finally be the modern like you know she's like okay like we'll be the modern family we always were planning to be or whatever like you can't do that shit anymore like you've agreed to be co-parents co-guardians whatever the fuck you want to call it like you can't do this shit anymore and to be like oh yeah well we had a better week without you like what the fuck and to pull the rug out from under him like that like you agreed to be this modern family. You agreed for all of you guys to move in together. And now you're just going to be like, mm, sorry, I changed my mind. That's not how it works. That's not how it works when you sign a lease. No, I just, I don't understand. I, well, and it's not even beyond the fact that of what it's doing to Adam. Like I get it. She's, she, she is caring about Michaela. She cares about Michaela, of course, and she wants what's best for Michaela. And that's why she's trying to figure out the schedule and whatever works for her. But like, it's got to be confusing AF for Michaela to be like, okay, Adam's here and then he's not. And then he's here and like, he's living with us, but he's not. And like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's actually making things worse for Michaela. Yeah. Like, so you think it's making things better, but it's really not. And you know it's showing her that, like, it, it's almost showing Michaela that, like, love from Kim is conditional. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it is for Adam. Kim's love is conditional if your name is Adam Ruzik. Yeah. And that's fucked. And I'm sorry, like, no, I, he shouldn't have to deal with that. No, nobody should. No, um, absolutely not. But you know what? I, you know, of course, so there's been these, like, filming photos of I think they're filming 20 right that's what they were filming mm-hmm. episode 20 yeah of them they're filming some kind of scene and it's Kim and Michaela and Adam at the park on the swing you know Michaela's in the swings and they're pushing her and they look like this like little loving happy family and I just don't understand how we go from this to that I don't I don't like it I don't like it at all I'm I'm to a point now where I'm just like uh, enough like Take this in a different direction because I don't like the way this is going. And if this is going to be the pattern that they fall into where like Kim gets mad at Adam, Adam has to leave for a little bit. Oh, they're back and happy. Oh, wait, they got mad again. That's not healthy for any of them. Uh, so I ask you this question because again, I feel like I have to ask this after every Berzik episode now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you this question again. If they were to get, whether it is like by the end of this season or even at some point next season, right? Like whenever, if they ever go back to like, Kim and Adam being together like romantically Mm -hmm. do you think you can like accept it and like it or and love it and want it or like at this point are we like over that I don't think I'm ever going to trust Kim the same way I ever did like the same way I did I used to be like full-blown I have faith in them I don't and it's not him I don't trust I don't trust her I don't trust her Because at any point in time, she can just change her mind and she knows that Adam's going to go with whatever she says and she's abusing that power she has over him now. 
Yeah. So if they get back together and they're like full steam ahead, I'm just going to sit there and wait for the other shoe to drop. Right. I was going to say, like, I think I'll always have one foot out the door. Like, I think I will love it whenever they get back together. Of course, that's what we've wanted since season three for Mm -hmm. them to be together romantically. But, but, but I just feel like I'll always be like, well, we had seasons seven, eight, nine and 10 to like, or seven, eight, nine. We don't know. We're not in 10 yet, but like seven, eight, nine to be like, what the fuck? We don't know what's going to happen with them now. Like, I just, I don't know. I'll never trust it. I don't know if I'd even add nine as like a good Berzik season. I'm kind of feeling about nine the way I was about like season five of One Tree Hill for Naley. Like, no, but I feel like I'm talking about seven, eight, nine, not as good seasons for them, but Mm -hmm. seven, eight, nine being the seasons where things really started to fall apart because you seven Mm -hmm. is when they got pregnant and had the baby or thought they were going to have the baby and the miscarriage and like from then on it's kind of just been downhill yeah that's why i mean by seven eight nine yeah it makes me wonder how their therapy sessions are going if it's just kim and adam or if it's kim adam and michaela like and if it is just kim and adam is kim participating is kim even like giving it an effort i would hope there's be honestly i think there needs to be four different versions of therapy right there needs to be adam by himself Mm-hmm. Kim by herself, Michaela by herself, and then well, actually five, because then there probably needs to be Kim and Adam sessions, and then family sessions with all three of them. Mm-hmm. So really, I think there should be five versions of therapy happening. Yeah, but I doubt it. I'm sure that's just like either all separately or all together. It just kills me because I think at some point, like, and I don't think Adam is capable of this, but Adam needs to sit down and ask himself if all of this is actually worth it. Yeah, but he's not going to do that because in his head he thinks it is and that's like he just goes with he's what his so heart in feels. love and he's so in love with her. Exactly, exactly. And it's I mean even if they go the distance and they get married, Kim is always going to dangle it over his head like the notion that she settled for him. And I'm not here for that. I don't want that. Adam does not deserve that. No. Like yes, Adam can be a little reckless sometimes, but he is a good man. And he doesn't deserve the way that Kim treats him. Said what I said. Yeah. Like I said, I just don't know how we go from this in episode 17 to supposedly some like happier. And maybe they're just putting on an act in front of Michaela. We don't know that, you know, whatever. But like what looks to be like happy family moments. Like how do we go from this to that? It's only happy if. it's basically like Adam is like a pet. It's only happy if Adam is behaving himself. If Adam is sitting in the corner behaving like a good boy, that's the only way it's happy. If Adam does anything, Kim's just like, oh, why? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's how I feel. That's how I feel. And I, I mean, we were talking in our patron happy hour about it and just how like the tiniest of mistakes are always like the biggest things to Kim. Like, Adam could get her coffee order wrong and she would give him the silent treatment and be like, I don't know if we should be doing this. Like, yeah, just done. Yeah. And like I said, I really thought we were getting the episode we always wanted. Right. We were this close. We were literally two minutes away Mm -hmm. from getting the episode we always wanted. And then we did it. Just the, like she hurried to be by him, like when she she was she was hurrying to find him, and like she did, and then it was just it was just kind of like I don't want you to die, but I also don't want you to be here. So, mm. like, right. like I think our lives were better without you around, and it's like what the fuck? 
that's not something you say to somebody you love. You don't sugarcoat that to somebody you love either. You just don't say it. Yeah. I, at this very moment, I am done with Berzik. At this very moment. That could change. But at this moment, I'm done. I'm just like, yeah, stop, stop. Like season nine was too much. Yeah, either show me Upstead being all happy and domestic or show me Adam moving on. Oh, yeah, I just said that. Yep. Because, like, where are they supposed to go from here, right? Like, Matt getting abducted, that was pretty bad when she was like, oh, she's my daughter. That's, like, the ultimate, like, slap in the face, right? Mm -hmm. And this is even worse. Adam almost dies, and all Kim does is say, cool story, bro. Yeah. Like, Right. And if Adam almost dying doesn't wake her up to, you know, be like, oh, like I said, the episode we thought we were getting like, oh, fuck, like, I realized how important you are, you know, yada, 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 this changed everything. Like, if this, if Adam almost dying doesn't do that, then what does? Exactly. Nothing will. Right. Nothing will. They really are, like, I, I, I hope that they're not thinking this is just good drama because they're really setting them on a path of, like, no return. Right. And at what point do we hit the point of no return? I think we're getting kind of close at some point and it sucks because we've literally waited seven fucking years for them to hit the, well, six fucking years, but mm-hmm. still six fucking years for them to hit this point. And we're just not, I, I, I just, I don't. Yeah. And to end their relationship for good, for the sake of good drama would be very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Very disappointing. You know, when you talk a lot and like your throat gets dry. Yeah, like, I know. That's, I'm like, yeah. 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 We're just literally like running ourselves horse to talk about Berzek. Yep. Just. <sighs> so yeah, Adam goes back to the undercover apartment, which like, thank God he's a cop. Where else is he going to go? Kevin's couch? I guess. Dude. Yep. Like. Mm rage just rage yeah and like at what point does adam say like you know what i can't be around her anymore and like quit the unit they work together i okay we're not putting that out there i'm not saying that i would i wouldn't blame him but like we're not putting out there because that means patty can't be on we're not putting that out there we're not even putting that in universe but yeah i can't i can't like (laughs) i'm so mad I need Patty and Marina to post some like funny behind the scenes stuff just to remind us like, hey, everything's good. Everything's good. We're besties. We love each other. I know. Obviously, we're recording this on Sunday, so we don't know. But hopefully on Wednesday, she has posted something good. It's like it's like after the Greg Yates episode when like Jesse posted a picture of him and the actor and we're like, hey, guys, everything's okay. It was like a perfect reminder. Like, I need that. Yeah. Ah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know. know. I'm still just like, what the fuck? Also, if you guys are wondering, like, you know, we had Marina at One Chicago Day. Why didn't we ask her anything? We couldn't. Yeah, we all. So you only really get there like ten minutes, and you have to obviously share that time with the other reporters in your room. So you really only get like one, one question. question in. Like, we didn't even get to really ask when anything. Like, it's just kind of the way it is. So we had questions, of course. We had questions for Gwen about Berzik. We had like we had questions. It's just 
you got to prioritize. You kind of got to pick and choose. And we had just talked to Marina. So we decided to go with the Jason route Mm -hmm. first. And if we got to Marina, of course, we would have asked her. But like, yeah, you kind of kind of got to prioritize. I'm like exhausted now that we just unloaded on. I know. I'm just like, I'm I'm like, I'll be ready for a J episode next week. I hope so. I mean, don't like break our hearts, leave him alone. But like, yeah, no, I know. But we've just had like, cause even, I mean, if you think about it, three of the last four episodes have been Berzik. Yeah. And that's a lot. And I'm just like, normally I would be grateful for three out of four episodes being Berzik, but not this time. Like, so thank I'm just you, like, but also no. And so good. I'm just like, okay, I'm ready for Jay. Like, let's get Jay now. It's like the, it's like the, the Severine and Seeger stuff that we've had. We're just like, listen, we love it, but like, okay, we're good. Thank you. We're good. Yeah. 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 Any other notes on PD aside (laughs) from like white, hot, uncontrollable rage? No, no more thoughts. Look, don't come for us. Okay. Like don't throw tomatoes at us. This is just, we've got feelings. Okay. No more thoughts. I will be curious. I will say this though. If anyone has a different take on this situation, I would love to please email us because we obviously don't like, this is our opinion and this is just how we feel. But we obviously, of course, respect other opinions. And I would love to have a conversation with somebody about who feels differently. If they feel differently, if they're on Kim's side, if they just feel differently about the way Adam's handled all this, like, please, please, please reach out to us. Because of course, because we're recording this now, Mm -hmm. we can't include listener thoughts because you guys haven't seen this as of when we're recording this. You're probably sending your thoughts as you're listening to us talk about this right now. Yeah. So if you have other thoughts, especially if they're differing from ours, please send them to us. We would love to have the conversation. Oh, big time. hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause I might be blinded by my rage right now and not seeing the other side of this. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've been raging for about a week now. So, <laughs> but like, still, I, I would definitely love to hear what someone else who differs from us has to say. So please feel free to email us, me to Somalis at gmail.com, you know, or t- DM us on Twitter or Instagram, wherever, but like, please reach out because we would love to have an open and respectful conversation. He was like fractions of a second from dying. And Kim was just like, Meh. <laughs> tear my hair out and scream. Oh God. Okay. So um, you guys, you're so close to the end of the one Chicago day stuff. Um, we have one more interview for you guys. As we had teased before, we talked to Joe Minoso earlier this week. It was wonderful. We all know how wonderful Joe is and what a gem of a human being he is. So um, always a big thank you to NBC. Big thank you to Joe for coming on the pod. Always. Um, yeah, we enjoyed it. And, and, and I got to bring back the car interview, the art of doing my interview in the car. Yeah. Something yes. that hasn't happened in two years. Yes, over two years. I actually thought that the days of the car interview were behind us. I was like, you know what? We've been doing this for a while now. We got the good equipment. No more car interviews. We don't have to do this. Nope. Nope. But it's a much improved car interview. (laughs) Zoom really came in clutch. Zoom really came in clutch. Yes. Big time. Big time. I feel like we should like make that a series. Like car interviews. Meet us on all these car interviews with Gina. Oh my God. That would be hysterical. But then like, who do we interview? No, you just have like an interview, like a casual conversation, like two, like five minutes, you know, whatever in the car. You just, I don't know. That'd be it's fun. like Zach Galifianakis has that series, like between two ferns. Like that could be my version of it. <laughs> like car interviews. And then I'm just like in my Ford Escape and I'm like, hello, good day. 
No, but the talent also, like, they have to be in their cars, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. If we ever go back to Chicago for whatever reason, if we could, like, finagle one in a car, that would be hilarious. That would be hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to my Ford Escape. Yeah, that was funny. Joe, yeah, Joe even made a comment. He was like, you're living the dream. I was like, welcome to my car. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. And then of course, like yesterday we went somewhere on Saturday, Charlie and I went somewhere and he was like, why is your passenger seat scooted up so much? I was like, because the last time I was in it, I had to do an interview. Like, (laughs) What? You say that like it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, enjoy our interview with Joe. We did. We love it so much. Joe can come back on the podcast anytime. He's the best. So here you go. So uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Cruz have like a really meaty storyline ever since, you know, the beginning of the season where he almost drowned. But what was your reaction when you saw this for the first time in the script? Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I mean, in general, um, it, it, it has been a, kind of a quiet season for Cruz. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens when you have 7,000 uh, series regulars on a show, which gladly, I'm happy to share the wealth. Um, but yes, this was a... A really special one. Uh, you know, I, it felt very personal. Um, and uh, to be able to explore something with this much Spanish dialogue uh, was really a joy. Uh, it was a, a challenge in a really new and interesting way. Um, and and we just got like insanely lucky with Carlos Sanchez, the kid who plays Javi. I mean, he is I can't, I can't speak more highly of him. He, it's like, it's, it's kind of like hanging out with Otis. Like he's, you know, we just like talk about Marvel stuff and like hang out and crack jokes and like totally bust each other's uh, chops. And it's, I I mean, he is, he's like a 40 year old trapped in a 10 year old's body. Um, And it's been nothing but a joy. And to be able to have Kristen back in like a really kind of substantial way and give her some really great stuff to do like you know I just really think they hit the storyline out of the park like I really I, this one really feels very cruise appropriate and very fire appropriate uh it just all feels like so a part of the world and so it, it was yeah it's it's really been a joy total total blessing yeah and you know in 10 seasons we haven't really seen a ton of Cruz's heritage and and in the past couple of weeks we've seen a bunch of it um, in that relationship with Javi. So what does that mean to you to be portraying that representation on screen? Well, you know, it's like I've always said, like the fact that I just in general get to play a hero who wears his heart on his sleeve and a Latin man who isn't afraid to cry is like the greatest gift that I could have as an actor. I, you know, it's so difficult in this business um, to find those roles that celebrate Latin men uh, as um proud uh and and uh, good community members and uh and I just I mean he's so all of that right like Cruz is just kind of the quintessential I mean man I think uh but uh and and especially as a as a Latin man who comes from a really beat up uh uh underprivileged community to be able to show that you know you can do many things and kind of climb out of a situation and still be someone who, who isn't afraid to have empathy and heart and show that um, it's like, it's the biggest honor of my life. It's why they'll never be able to get rid of me uh, on this show. Uh, I'll stay here and you know, that's like, uh, they're gonna have to kick me out uh, screaming, like I'm grabbing onto the walls. 
I love it. Um, yeah. So, so last week's episode or the one before hiatus, I don't know dates anymore, but yeah, the one before totally. hiatus. Yeah, um, Cruz went to Severide and asked for Casey's number so that he could get some advice. We never really got to see that scene, but I'm curious, what did you like? What do you think Casey told him? Because Joe pretty much had his mind made up at that point. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you kind of caught that. I do think he did have his mind made up. You know, I think more than anything, I feel like what Casey expressed was what a, what joy there was in the little moments um, of like being there and like seeing small incremental growth, you know, and just kind of how just his presence there has made a change in tiny little ways. And I think that's so much of what being a foster parent is, you know, that's so much of what just being, I think, I mean, you know, what the show stands for is just like, we're there when you need us, you know, it's like we're emblazoned on the side of every truck. Uh, and I, and that's why I think it's, again, such a really appropriate storyline for the show, because it is so much about sacrificing some of yourself for someone else. Um, and, and I, it's just, they, 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 they did it so well. Love it. Love it. So in the episode, we see a really sweet scene where Joe and Chloe are kind of dividing up subjects with Javi, just to determine like who's good at what. So uh, we're curious. I mean, if, if there's one subject that you're, you're, that's going to be your favorite to teach your kid, what subject is that? And what subject would you hate to have to teach your kid? Oh, great question. Uh, probably uh, math for sure would be the thing I would hate to have to teach. I, I am no, that side of my brain, no computer. Um, and uh uh, if I had to teach something, oh, you know, I mean, it's funny because I think in the scene, I think like what I take is like reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, basically. Uh, and that's so right. That would be the thing I'd want to do. I'd want to like, let's get into the fantasy of it all. Let's break down story. Let's, you know, let's like definitely English art, uh, history. I love history. So I would love to help with the history, but you know, math, no way. No way. No way. Yeah, I know. I feel that. Trust me. So at the end of the episode, Cruz and Chloe actually decide to let Javi stay on a more permanent basis. And so what can you tease about these remaining five episodes? Are we going to see more Kristen and, and Carlos? You know, I wish I could tell you. I honestly, I don't know yet. We're uh, currently, I think, um, in episode 18 or 19 that we're filming right now. You guys are like right behind us. Um, and uh, and as of right as of yet, there's nothing um, else that we've explored or that I've seen. But there are still, you know, three very very large episodes, four very large episodes that we have to do. Uh, so I'm hoping that you will see more of them. It it, it was single-handedly the greatest part of the year uh, working with those two. And uh, but I can't imagine that we're not going to see some some semblance of them again in the future whether it be at the end of this season or the beginning of next. Nice, nice. And so technically, I guess Cruz and Chloe are kind of fostering Javi right now. Do you think they've had the conversation about adoption yet? Uh, you know, I know that, I know that uh, Kristen and Joe have had the conversation about adopting Carlos because that kid is <laughs> definitely taken home. Uh, but um, I, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a conversation that yes, it just is going to happen. Like, you know, all those moments when you see them kind of wide awake in bed uh, at three in the morning, uh, just, you know, freaking out. I'm sure that those are questions that are being asked, you know, like, and, uh, and being explored. Um, 
and I hope the answer becomes a resounding yes. You know, I really do. I think I think it makes sense. I think he's great. Uh, and to be honest, I think it depends on whether or not we'll be able to get Carlos again because he's a little bit busy. Uh, the kids working harder than most of us. Uh, so yeah, I, it'll be it'll be fun to see if we can actually get these two in the same room at the same time. Right. Nice. So the last time we talked, I think it was at like the beginning of the season, or it might have been right after Cruz found out Chloe was pregnant. I'm getting my seasons mixed up. But something you had said was that, you know, you were pretty sure that Joe would be kind of like uh, uh, almost not paranoid, but like he'd be that dad who's always worried about like, am I doing the right thing? What am I doing? Right. But it kind of turns out based on these couple episodes, he's a bit of a natural, would you say? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think it's been funny watching how they've built fatherhood into Cruz's kind of world. Um, and I think what you grow to learn is like, I think a lot of what he's learned on the job is just applying itself instinctually into being a father. Um, and, uh, and I think it finds him sort of learning how to be more of a leader. You know, I think you've also seen that Cruz is being, uh, he's running more calls from time to time and, uh, you know, while Severide's off playing fire cop, he's kind of taking control of squad. Uh, so I think in general, yeah, he, he's really kind of grown into the role far faster than I, I anticipated he would. You know, um, I, the great part about playing this character is I never know if they're going to go with a comedic storyline or if they're going to go with something more heartfelt uh, and dramatic. And it can go both ways. And so it's like, so the fact that we can play either one of those worlds is so much fun and is why it keeps me busy on this job. Like, it's like, you know, I get to do a little bit of everything. Uh, and so I, I, either way, you know, I, I still think there's plenty of opportunities for Cruz to stumble uh, along uh, this road of parenthood um, and plenty of room for him to shine. So I look forward to both of those things occurring. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said fire cop because that made me remember something. Okay. So the fire cop thing, it, obviously it's like the most perfect name for Severide ever. Was that a writer yeah. thing or did Adlib that? You know, um, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I, I might've been the first one to say it and it immediately like caught fire and then like everybody said it and then it caught, and I, I want to say that it, you know, it's funny because it just feels so right, right? That it's like, it's hard to know but I'm pretty sure that it was like an onset thing before it was a writer thing. And if, you know, Derek, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that, like, and feel free to straighten the record, but I'm pretty sure one of us, maybe me said fire cop at one point that became a thing. We all started saying fire cop. One of the writers came in, heard it, loved it. And then wrote this whole kind of thing around it. Brian and I are kicking ourselves that we didn't come up with it first. So <laughs> I'll credit for that. I'm still convinced there's a spinoff coming. You know, I, it just feels obvious. We said it in a past episode. We were like a Severide and Cruz, like buddy cop spinoff. That would be fantastic. I, you, I, I don't know if I'm worthy enough to be, uh, you know, tagging along with the right, with the likes of Severide and Seeger. But, you know, if they want me, I'll, I'll gladly help. You know, I, clearly I can be their interpreter. <laughs> So speaking of Derek, we talked to him on one Chicago day, which was technically yesterday. He mm -hmm. took the finale to like epic proportions and said, this is going to be one of the biggest ones to date. Obviously he scared us to death, but I'm curious, do you know, have you heard anything about the finale yet? Which probably not, it's early, but have you heard anything? No, no, no nothing except for now 
you're the third or fourth, fourth person that's been like, Derek has teased this finale as the big, you know, and then I have to go back in my brain and go, we've had some pretty huge finales. Like, I mean, some pretty major events. So what could we possibly, I don't, you know, I don't, I still don't know how in God's name these writers do what they do. Like, it's like, I've just now recently started taking on writing a little bit. And me and a friend of a friend of mine have written this kind of pilot and, you know, it's getting a little steam and people are looking at it. And then all I keep thinking about is if we actually start moving on this, I have to write eight more. And that seems impossible. And these guys are doing 22 of these a year. And it is like, you know, I, you bow down, you have to, you just have to, because it's insane. I don't know how they do it. Right. Right. So I've got one last question. We got to do a little bit of a Marvel roundup. We did it last time we had you on. We talked about Shang-Chi. I don't think we've talked about Spider-Man yet. And I don't think we've talked about Moon Knight. Spider-Man, did you love it? Love, 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 love Spider-Man. Uh, you know, I'm, I think what's so brilliant about the Marvel Universe in general is just like how they have opened it up to endless story potential. Like there is nothing that you cannot do and make sense of, you know, like there are rules to a world, but Marvel somehow knows how to break every one and then make that 10 more rules. And it's, uh, I think uh, Spider-Man was phenomenal. I think, you know, any opportunity we get to, we, we love, you know, people who go to these things love movies and to be able to especially love comic book movies and to be able to celebrate, you know, that the entire Spider-Man canon in one film was like, so fulfilling like it was just if I, I've already watched it like four times uh and it's just and it's so well written and I mean it's just it's so good and and uh Moon Knight I just saw last night uh Moon Knight Moon Knight might be my new favorite thing Marvel has done like it is it's it's incredible okay I haven't started it yet are you familiar oh. with the content uh very vaguely and that's and that's why I think I'm really interested in this because there are some changes from the comic to uh, the live action, um, but uh, it it is serving as a fully new world for me. So just to kind of bring it in, just to see it from there and watch it, not really knowing much about the Moon Knight character, it's super fulfilling. And I think getting to play with you know psychological trauma, you know, I think is also a really brilliant way to explore the superhero genre. Uh, and I think that's why it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really, really well received. Uh, and I look forward, you know, more Oscar Isaac, more Moon Knight, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Hear you there. So have you seen the trailer for the new season of the boys yet? Not, no, but I have seen, uh, Diabolical. Have you seen that at all? I have. Uh, it's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. It's like ridiculously good. Uh, and the storylines they choose. So crazy. And this is what I think you're seeing in the world right now. It's like, there's such room for um, animation to be taken as seriously side by side with live action at this point. Like you're even seeing it happen on that Lakers show on HBO Max that just uh, recently started. They're playing with animation in their stuff. And it's like, it, it's just, it, I think it's really finally getting the credit it deserves because it's so capable of giving us so much more and broadening story. And it's just like, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's, I think uh, we're headed in the right direction when it comes to storytelling right now. Um, and I look forward to seeing what else happens. Both on fire and in the Marvel universe. Oh, sister, it's all universes, you know, but yes, I agree. You know, now we're just looking to see how we make the one Chicago Marvel universe 
kind of collapse on each other. Oh, Joe, why you got to go there? You know, Brian and I are going to run with that in the next episode. <laughs> hey, listen, I've been openly campaigning to be the thing on the new Fantastic Four movie. So you guys feel free to spread that rumor as much as you want. Gladly, gladly. <laughs> we say a lot on the podcast that Severide's an Avenger, true or false? Severide's an Avenger? Ooh, hold. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think Severide is, you know, he may work with the Avengers, but I don't think he is officially an Avenger. I think, you know, he's like one of those, like, I'm trying to think of a good, like, comp, like, maybe like Winter Soldier, um, you know, like, or, I mean, actually, or even Moon Knight for that matter. Uh, like, you know, because I feel like that's where that's going. I just feel like Severide's a little bit on the, you know, he's more on the R-rated Marvel world. You know, he's in the Daredevil, uh, Moon Knight, you know, the Defenders series or the Midnight Suns kind of thing. Uh, I think Casey's an Avenger. That's your Captain America right there. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think Severide, I mean, you know, if he's going to be an Avenger, he's Tony Stark. And I just think he's he's more aloof than that. Like, he, you know, Tony Stark is so like, hey. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my take on that. I think he works with the Avengers, but is not one. He may be an X-Men. Oh, even better. I like that. I like that. He, he could be a gambit. Um, I could see him as a gambit. Uh, I could even see him as a Wolverine, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would say maybe Severide's an X-Men. I love it so much. That's the perfect note to end on, too. Joe, it's always so good to see you. Thanks for chatting with us. Pleasure's all mine. I appreciate that beautiful little interior car that you have. That's yeah. Oh my God, fantastic girl. Live the, yeah. live the dream, baby. This is how we do it. Car interviews forever. <laughs> Once again, big thank you to Joe and to NBC for helping us put that together. Always a pleasure. He's so wonderful. The best. He's I mean, the best. they're all the best. They're all the best, but Joe's a gem. We say it every single week, but we're always blown away by just how wonderful this cast is of all three shows right there's really not a bad gem in in almost five years we have never once had a bad experience with anybody from any of the shows no never never. once never and that's not us just being like suck ups or whatever either no it's just the truth and you know we're transparent with you guys all the time we try to be so yeah. yeah good stuff so that's about all we have for this wonderful one chicago day um you guys, you survived. You made it to the end of One Chicago Day, the very end of One Chicago Day. The end, the, the One Chicago Day content ends right here. You did it. <laughs> Finish your wine. Go to bed. You've earned it. Um, you did a great job today. But through all that content, good job. So as always, you know where to find us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's me, and Molly's right across the board. Um, we have a Tee Public page. Go check it out. There's fun stuff coming there's new designs coming the patrons know about it but there there are new designs coming um i'm gonna play with a good one one because that's pretty funny um (laughs) yeah so if you like the show which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to the end please leave us a rating and review on itunes we would so greatly appreciate that it does help us find other shy hearts or it helps other shy hearts find us because it increases visibility. Increases visibility. I can't talk. Okay. Anyway, um, email us anytime, anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gita Watches TV. Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. 
long as there's new episodes of the show, there's new episodes of the pod. Yes. So go to sleep, dream sweet one Chicago dreams and have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.